Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I am your host, Gimme That Wheat, and we are back. We we took a, a one week break and we savored it as much as we could because we have a whole ass load of content to talk about, not only today, but coming up. Yo, this is uh the unofficial start of summer. Or no, the official start of summer. Um and we are looking at the basically the probably the official start of Sm- uh, the summer of Smash, right? We have been seeing a ton of big events, uh, but this weekend kind of really showed not only the talent at some of the majors, um, but just the the regionals and and just the bustling nature of Smash as we get into the wonderful month of summer. So uh, we are here today with a person who I had the lovely opportunity to talk to in person this past week. One of the best people to talk to when it comes to just rankings or um, obviously melee in general. Just one of the one of the more interesting melee people that you can talk to. I'm, of course, talking about my good friend Edwin Budding. What's going on, Edwin? How's it going? It's going great. It was wonderful to see you last weekend. It was wonderful to, mm-hmm. you know, explore the magic world of hiking that I ignored for so much of my life. But we have too many regionals to talk about to really jump into our personal lives so i want to welcome dark gen x to the show uh, i'm really excited to have you on how you been how's your week i've been doing great excited to uh, be here and was excited to see both of you at uh the trail invitational as well mm-hmm. always nice seeing you both always a pleasure i'm doing great yeah for sure trail invitation was uh i mean to let the cat out of the bag it was an event that we all went to and uh personally had a good time but we need to talk about something bigger we have bigger fish to fry and that is the one that happened all the way over on the west coast in la mirada california it is uh this is the second iteration of wave dash wave dash last year was known for um being uh hot and sweaty and someone who shall remain unnamed threw a chair and broke a chair uh and jay mook basically could have had a win over HBox and decided not to. Um, and uh, this one felt entirely different for a lot of different reasons. You know, this we were not attendees of this event, but uh, this is a different location and just kind of had a different feel in terms of like what Wave Dash represented and, and uh, how stacked it was. And I think one of the funny little th- you know connections between the two is that um, to to spoil it for anyone who doesn't know is that uh, this is one that JMoo came home with. And, um, you know, Edwin, we were obviously hanging out uh, while this was going on, but I did get to catch some of Sunday, and I don't know if either of you did, but a little bit of a cakewalk, it seemed. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on that, Edwin? Because I know that, um, you know, the, the JMook Kodoran sets um, that we've seen before have looks pretty much in jmook's favor i don't know if you have anything that you uh saw here that felt differently yeah um honestly this is gonna sound really horrible i think kadorn has gotten so much better at the game you see it in his that does sound horrible how how, you're such an asshole dude marth hater (laughs) let's go yeah marth hater extraordinary edwin bunny and i think it's you know i I, I hate to mention that because it looks like JMook has just completely leveled up. It seems like okay. the, the rate that Kadorn is taking to get into the, you know, 
top five or whatever we want to consider the next echelon you know Kadoran, someone who's always hovered around top end been sort of a contender to make top eights how far he makes in those top eights kind of depends on the brackets that he draws and it seems to me like he is making long-term changes in his gameplay to really enter that stratosphere of major contention right but as we're seeing him take that jump, I mean, at the same time, we're seeing JMook go from that spot of major contention to just being this dominant favorite over so many of the other players. So it's almost like you have these two players in different echelons, and both of them are improving. So as fast as the as the second guy is improving, it really just feels like JMook is apparently sans ICs, and we'll see how Jigglypuff works yeah. in the future the future it really seems like this guy is just skyrocketing i mean i was impressed with the sets against kadorn but we we've seen jmook trounce kadorn before i was you know particularly stunned at just the consistency in which he held off fiction the way he dismantled the rest of the bracket i mean the the jmook we saw at wave dash if as as boring as it is to say if we see that jmook at any any event i'm not i i don't think you could say that there's a single you know, Spacey player, Marth player, you know, th- those matchups that we've seen him really excel in, you know, it's, he's broken through that barrier that I think a lot of Sheik's, Plup included, uh, have have not consistently broken through, of really just looking untouchable in those matchups. And w- with JMook, it's, it's it's really extraordinary. And it's just, you know, I, mm. I, I we, we could say this about so many tournaments that he does well in, or so many tournaments victories that he's had but you know if you're jmu coming off a, a weak event at tipped off and coming off not not doing so great at um at battle of bc either you know this is the kind of event that you want to see and this is the kind of event that you want to have you know he, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat yeah for sure i mean kudoran was definitely someone who was very impressive um but you're right i mean uh and, and aklo as well and, and they're basically you know Almost the entire of the top eight. That was incredibly fun to watch. Just a lot of these players who are basically like the same skill level, just duking it out. Um, but you're right, yeah. JMook really showed uh just like a pretty dominant performance. And the question is, you know, how does he do against some of his problem matchups? And uh it's not for lack of talent at the event. Um, Dark Genics, you are famously known as someone who uh I don't know if you know it, but has shitty taste. <laughs> uh, so at, at least when it comes to melee, um, mm-hmm. we had we watched we just watched a bracket where Zane barely made top eight. Zane, you know, lost to S2J. Zane, you know, barely scraped by Chango and a player who's outside the top one hundred. Yes, and uh, you know, burying the lead here, but. Uh, Maybe we shouldn't even call it Zayn's at all. Maybe it was uh, better known by the moniker Don't Test Me because this was a Roy run. Zayn, after signing up, um, decided that uh, I believe he just said the competition wasn't what he thought it was. And instead of seeing kind of the faded Ices versus JMook, um, we ended up seeing a different character than Ices, different character than Marth. We saw the Roy. So I have to ask you, as a connoisseur, of the annoying and the the hated aspects of melee, was this complete chicken shit, or was there uh, some charm to going Roy at an event like this? So a couple of things. The first thing is that I, if I had a nickel for every time Magi beat Zane in 2023 under interesting circumstances, I'd have 15 cents right now. 
And I think it's crazy that it's happened like three times in a year in general. But the fact that it's happened three times in the last half year is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Some of it was with Roy. Um, I think that if you are burned out or if you feel like you're not having fun with the game, at the end of the day, even if you're playing this game for a living or you're playing this game as some sort of spiritual journey into the depths of your unknown uh, for self-improvement or whatever whatever nonsense you're telling yourself, I think that at the end of the day, you are you started playing the game because it was a game. You wanted to have fun with it. You saw someone doing something cool. You wanted to follow in their footsteps. No one is entering Melee with the intention of wanting to be like super rich or famous off of being really good. If you're doing that, you've picked the wrong game to do that in. Um, but if Zayn wants to have fun and play Roy, for whatever reason, he is allowed to do that. And I think that it is very funny when he beats people with his Roy. I am fine with him going Roy at Wave Dash 2023. I think the reasoning for it, if it is completely for the reasoning in his tweet that it wasn't stacked enough, I'm not really a fan of that, honestly. Uh, I think that a lot like a lot of players um, over the last couple of years have expressed discontent with attending regionals as a result of not being able to beat anyone and only having something to lose. Uh, Cody talked about this after the function when, not the function, um, Nightclub VIP when he lost to Swooper. Um, as another example of this, at a Wisdom Melee, I'm just dragging Cody's name in the mud right now, but <laughs> Cody lost to Zamu, but I don't think the Cody-Zamu loss is going to affect where he is placed on the summer ranking or at the end of year ranking. He beat Zamu to win that tournament at the end of the day. Um, if Zane really did not enter the tournament as Marth with, I guess, intentions of rank, which, again, I don't know. I don't know the inner, the inner thoughts of Zane's psyche. I'm not a fan. But we don't really know. We have one line of a tweet. Not a lot to speculate off of that. Well, we'll move on to the more hater contingent in this uh, little tricast. What do you think, Edwin? What do you think about the Roy? Uh, I think if the Roy does great, we're all fans of it. If it gets seventh place or ninth place and beats Curve, eh, that's what I think. I, I think it uh, did exactly what is best for melee which is beat curve hilarious no matter how you feel about curve one must admit that is hilarious close set with s2j because i think it would just be sad in a way if s2j lost that but close meaning we go damn (laughs) that's close um chango set hilarious i do think it's easier if we don't give zane or chango a zane win just easier to you know, comprehend stuff, and it would happen in the funniest way. And then, uh, yeah, it would have sucked if, if Zane beat Magi with Roy. Like, no one would be happy. I mean, maybe... I think Zane would, would be happy. G-Subs would be happy. Yeah, I mean, if, if he made a big run, then then it would be pretty cool. But the, I guess the point I'm saying is, like, just uh, purely selfishly from a spectator standpoint, like, if that Roy somehow made it to winner's finals, then, wow, that that's a huge flex, right? If, I think if Melee Roy is gets worse accept- if he beats um, – because well, what would it be? It would be he beats Magi. Then does he go through Akla? Who is it? I don't. And uh, Roy Link? Yeah, that sounds horrible for Melee. I think what happened is the best possible thing to happen for Melee, which is Roy beats funny characters. Roy loses to real, you know, top-tier players. Uh, and not to say anything about the people who he beat, but, you know, there's – different echelons too i think as long as this doesn't become like a regular occurrence um yeah it's reasonable like i think that plup's uh run at ceo dreamland is a a equivalent of this where he just won luigi he beat i think drugged fox 
and got fifth. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo it's a fun well, right? Nintendo. Did he beat Nintendo? I, he beat oh. Drug Fox, Nintendo, and Ginger. I think. I think yep. those are the three. Very solid run. It, lovely to see uh, Plups Luigi, and it did not become a regular thing. As long yeah. as Zane continues entering tournaments for the rest of the year with Marth, I feel like no one will have any complaints. Exactly. I don't think it's anything to really care about. I yeah. do think it's a little annoying when seeding's already out and you're the number one seed, and you go, oh, I don't think I'm going to own my man. But if it happens once, who cares? Uh, I'm not going to particularly fault him for that. Uh a couple of interesting things that did happen at this tournament was uh, kind of something that I alluded to earlier, which is you have this tier of players here. You've got Fiction, you've got Aklo, um, Kodoran, someone who we're going to talk about. Uh, Johnny is a player who's always been particularly good. And then you've got also, um, you know, players who are kind of like Magi, like breaking into that higher echelon. And a player like Noel, who has not made a top eight at a regional like this in a little bit. Uh, or a major like this. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't want to start that discussion. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always super cool to see how these players interact. And even if this was a tournament where it felt like a kind of a foregone conclusion as to who was going to win. And then when we actually watch it, it, <laughs> you know, I feel like you could figure it out from uh, basically the beginning of top eight that J-Book was going to win. I still extremely interested in watching these players duke it out because as we arrive to the uh to the summer rank this is gonna have implications you know aklo um fiction maybe outside chance um kadoran especially these are players who are fighting for top 10 the top 10 right now in my mind is not set like we have lacs we've got gommel we've got um ceo which we're going to talk about later but we've got a bunch of things that could really drastically um, shift what's happening and for players like aklo and uh you know maybe even magi that is a new place to get into so these events are always super interesting was there anything in particular that stood out to you justin i know that you were commentating uh translocational i know you're busy with that but um did you get a chance to like go back through the bracket or go through any vods and was there anything that stuck out to you yeah so there were a couple of things um i mean most people are aware of the chango run so I don't think we need to talk about it too much. There's two players well, like, I do want. Let's let's get or... into a little bit of it because okay, this is sure. a pretty. Uh, I don't want to say historic run, but this is a very notable thing that happened here, right? So, yes. yeah, give us a little background on Chango and and how he got to ninth place. So Chango is a player who I don't know where he is right now, but he um he has traveled between the Pacific Northwest and Mexico before. Um, he's been. He's been in the game for a very long time, and there was one year when he almost made top 100. He had a, I believe at Genesis, beat both Chu and Hugs. I don't know if it was both at Genesis. I know he beat Chu at Genesis by timing him out. And I know he beat Hugs at year two. I think that might have been a battle of BC. But he's been, like, around top 100, like, on the brink of top 100 for a while. So he's not, like, a nobody. And uh, prior to this point, hasn't really had the best year. Um, I know at DreamX San Diego, he lost to uh, Zaza, formerly known as Midnight Blue. So this run where he beats Casper, who's been doing really well this year, probably going to be top 100, and then beats Axe in winner's finals. Uh, Axe has been, I mean, historically struggled versus Pop, specifically HBox, but this year has been a completely different story. I mean, losing to Chango, losing to SDJ... Um, and then in losing, I was going to bring this up as one of the players, but lost to CPU zero as well. Um, lose of this tournament. So Puff 
uh, seems to be like a very, very massive problem for Axe. I mean, we talked about it being a problem for Jamuk potentially, mm -hmm. but we are seeing the puffs get better and causing Axe trouble. Well, this is about Chango. So Chango beats Axe three to two. Um, he loses game five to null, and then he beats the second. He beats West Balls three zero, and then he beats the second player who I was going to bring up as someone to potentially look out for, which is uh, Melee Stats' very own Koopa Troopa eight ninety five, who mm -hmm. had a pretty good run of his own, which we will probably talk about in a bit. And then loses game five, last hit, basically, like, he actually won the set. Like, he was, he literally could have just won the set. Came Ghost, down to RNG. Came down to RNG, decides to rest. I don't think Zane could uh, have drifted back on stage. I might be mistaken on that, but he rests Zane in the apex of his up B. Zane goes flying off the top, Team Rocket style, is turning into a star as Chango's vulnerable sleeping Jigglypuff drifts to his death. And dies for ninth place. Truly, something you have to watch to 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 feel the crowd mm -hmm. going wild in the clip that I saw. Yeah, just the the absurdity of of like one Roy versus Jigglypuff and and just how it ends. Yeah, I I don't think there's any funnier way for like what is I can only imagine Chango's best term performance from start to finish. Uh, I don't think there's any funnier way for that to end. Um, but yeah, no, I think you, I think Chango is an amazing player to pick, uh, to point out here. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about Koopa Troopa. You know, he is a player who we have, um, helped get the things and, and, you know, uh, obviously combo breaker was his first tournament under the melee stats umbrella, which was a bit of an underperformance for him. He definitely did not place particularly near his seed. Um, but we see a little bit of a bounce back here. Edwin as our resident Marth lover. Um, I don't know if. Actually, I don't know if that makes you good to talk about Koopa. I don't know how the other Marths feel about him, considering he does like... <laughs> there was a local this week where he uh, covered side B, covered Falco side B to ledge by doing runoff up air and then up bead to hit the fire fi or firebird. <laughs> so I don't know if like that type of behavior actually makes Marths like them. But but um but yeah, so Koopa is a player who I think is a really interesting person to talk about. Yeah, what do you wanna do you wanna get into him a little bit, Edwin? Yeah, so so Koopa, the, the story of Koopa this year is that there's been two kinds of Koopas, right? There's the Koopa that we, we see at Melee in Progress. You see it at SoCal Local. The Koopa that takes the world by storm and beats, like, Lucky and Curve dominantly and w wins a tournament, right? Then we saw Koopa at Combo Breaker, and, and like you said, he took a bit of a step back in terms of his performance. I, I, would, I think he would consider an underperformance as well. Then starting off at this tournament, which is obviously... His home home region features a bigger out of region talent pool and everything. He actually suffers like uh, a loss early to Blarg two five seven, who's a pretty solid solid all around NorCal Fox. But again, the the kind of matchup that I think Koopa might have wanted to see heading heading into the side of into this type of event. So I think that caught him off by surprise. But after falling to him early in winners, he actually makes quite a bit of a loser's run to 13th before falling to Chango. So he beats Farox as, as one of his first opponents. But if you, if you take a look at the bracket, like right before top eight and top 48 or whatever, the uh, the slew of opponents he beats there are actually, it's, it's actually pretty quietly impressive. So he beats Typhoon in the Marth Ditto, which I would consider a pretty significant accomplishment. We've seen Typhoon go back and forth with Umarth before NorCal. Definitely not a Marth player that anyone should sleep on, someone who, you know, just missed top 100 last year. So another similarly ca similar caliber player. We see Koopa defeat the Sleeping King of SoCal slash Texas, Billy Bo Peep, 3-1, another melee stats player. Another very underrated player who we've seen 
basically by the eye test look like a top 50 player at Bemis in the past, certainly has the potential to reach there with enough events and enough strong showings. And then after that, we see Koopa defeat Franz, who we saw, you know, take the world by storm last year. So Koopa, after suffering a bit of an early setback, it was nice to see him have a, have a good loser's run to 13th place. Uh, I think he can definitely repeat and build on this kind of performance and work his way really into that, like, top 75, top 51 mm. to 75-ish range. Like, sort of like sort of like how Grab did last year. And I swear I'm not just picking another Melee Stats player, but I, I think that's kind of the, the archetype of Marth player in terms of results. Koopa's, Koopa's Marth gameplay is a Marth. little different. <laughs> yeah, Koopa's Marth, Koopa's Marth is... That, that guy's crazy. <laughs> He's like nerd crazy, though. Like, there's there's different kinds of crazy Marths. Like, you have the Lunary Marths who, like, turn their back to their opponent for some reason and do, like, Waveland off reverse single hit, like, single hit Nair. And then you have Koopa who just, like, tech chases with up smash or edge guards with up air for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's- it's like the, the acidics to Fro 116 scale. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Where where does he uh where does he land on there? Justin, where where do you put him? I think I think closer to Fro than Acidics, but like probably in the forty to like it like forty five fifty five range. Yeah, I think yeah, he, he he does it and he does the Fro stuff in a very Acidics way. <laughs> <laughs> we should add I another like that. yeah maybe there needs to be a z-axis to this no he definitely is a player who uh of course you know we're gonna talk about it in very glowing terms otherwise we wouldn't have put money behind him to get him out to things but i want to say that this is completely unbiased when i say i think that anyone who is curious about koopa's play should watch his streams he streams very often basically anytime zane plays anyone he has new vods to go over and he is just a very analytical person when he when he's watching these vods, and he has a lot of of like um, things that he does in, in uh, like Uncle Punch to try to figure out like how to contend with uh, like Yoshi double jump and these other kind of really interesting situations. He's labbed out a lot of things, and then you watch him play, and it becomes so much more hilarious that like you know he's a labber and he's also just f smashing and neutral all the time. Now he is a very interesting player to watch, and uh, you know between Wave Dash and Melee in Progress, which we saw last night, where he kind of went through Billy Lapeep, went through Squid, went through a couple other players. Um, definitely someone who I think is a player to watch out for in the future. I'm excited to see where he goes from here with more traveling. And um, that being said, Koopa Troopa's run was amazing. Chango's run was amazing. I struggle to say that that was the strongest showing from a uh, quote-unquote unknown player that we saw this weekend. And I think it actually happened in a card shop in Plainville, Massachusetts. Now, we were all here. We were, I don't know if if we were all witness to it, but while we were, I don't know, eating Thai or doing whatever (laughs) we were doing, commentating for the non-lazy of of us, (laughs) uh, something was uh, something pretty interesting happening, which was... uh, a player who we all know is super good entered our tournament for what feels like the first time in forever, and uh, I'll, I'll cut to the chase right now, is that uh, Chef Rock ended up uh, getting getting ninth place at Trail Invitational, which might not be a shock to a lot of people, but it's it's like, he's a very funny player. He's, he's kind of, uh, everyone who knows about him knows that he is amazing and does not view this as a, as a large run. 
but not everyone knows about him. So he uh, he defeated Zamu and Mech to get here, to get to ninth place, losing game five to Bobby Big Balls after losing to uh, Casey, who was also on a bit of a run um, in winners. And uh, I, I guess as a little addendum to that, kind of beat Mech up pretty hard at the post at the post trail invitational local on monday and zamu too zamu is there as well yeah uh rock beat zamu and calvar 3-0 at the local immediately afterward too yeah well well okay dirt genetics let's go into a little bit chef rock because he is a player who like i said if you know him you know he is good but i don't know if everyone knows just how good he is so so yeah let's, let's talk a little bit about them what do you know about chef rock so he's been playing forever. I actually, um, I was at the South Florida Arcadian that he won. Wow. Like years and years ago. It was like, I don't even remember how long. It's at least like, at least six years. So he won the South Florida Arcadian like years and years ago. And since then, he's entered like a couple of events out of his uh, his region of Florida, but not very many. But so it's, it's kind of hard to tell how good he is off of those results. Because, like, okay, he's beating, like, maybe on the box every week. He's beating Diltune. Solid players. Equilateral. But not, mm-hmm. like, top 100 caliber players as of right now. I mean, Equilateral and maybe could definitely, you know, get on lower and top 100 this year. But we don't really know. There's not a lot of data. But he's a labber. And you see him on playing constantly. Uh, people in DMs talking about Rock, the cookbook. The, uh, the Falcon Bible training a new age of the, the Jojo and the, the, the all those Falcons. They all read the Rockman Bible. That's the cookbook. And it's really interesting seeing because a lot of the labbers don't really also compete either. And Rockman is a player who has labbed the game out to, to a, a T and finally enters a tournament outside of his region and just dominates. And uh, granted, like ninth place at a regional. Uh, in a vacuum that doesn't sound super good but if you look at who he beat and then look at the local immediately after and seeing that he beat those people again 3-0 plus another top 100 player like it just says a lot about rock he is going to be a dominant threat when he starts entering tournaments regularly hopefully if he's also entering tournaments that's a big win what do you think edwin i think we have seen this play out two years ago for a different character in slightly different circumstances i think this story of chef rock you know, even though he's a bit more extroverted about his labbing and the, the time he spends improving and playing other top players and friendlies, this sounds an awful lot like Flash sounded in 2021. And I just think as time goes by and we see these these players who were quite active before the pandemic, we, we saw them go to events, we had a general idea of how good they were in their region, suddenly had this massive blow-up that happens basically off-screen during the pandemic, in Uncle Punch and in training mode and Masters chats for whatever reason with all the players that we've been following for the last five years. These people like Flash and Chef Rock suddenly bursting out uh, on the national scene. You know, it's it's the kind of play or at, at a big regional in Rock's case. You know, it's the kind of thing where sometimes you hear legends about someone like this. This is one of my favorite stories to tell when it comes to this, right? So. I don't think many people remember, but for Riptide 2021, when Flash had his ninth place run, he was a two seed in Pleba's pool as the one seed. Do you want to know what he did to Pleba? He, like, six-docked Pleba. Pleba is a very strong player who ended up making it on 
onto the ballot for top 100 in 2022 a year later. Didn't end up making the list, but Fleba is like not a joke of a player. Fleba is quite good at the game. And and Flash ended up getting double eliminated by Wizzy and defeating Ginger that tournament. You know, so so and I and just sort of to parallel that, I want to really take a moment to appreciate what Chef Rock did in beating Zamu. Zamu is not someone who loses a lot, like to to people beneath his seed. And when Zamu does does lose, he tends to make make up for it by placing his seed anyway or placing above it. That's just the kind of player Zamu has been. Mm-hmm. I've followed at least. 20 tournaments this year that Zamu's gone to and that Z- Zamu has either outplaced a seed or placed exactly as he expected. I think it is quite telling that <laughs> at a tournament where one of the rare tournaments where Zamu did not place to a seed that he ran into Captain Falcon Flash <laughs> in this case. So am I willing to say Chef Rock is immediately top 25? No, because a ranking is a, is a report card based on a volume of significant results, right? But am I willing to call Chef Rock a player that can compete with top 25 players and scare them off vibes? Yeah, <laughs> I am. I think I am really excited to see what he does if he continues entering more out of region events. I think he has certainly proven himself and certainly shown that all this off-screen training and improvement that he's gone through in the game, labbing or whatnot, I, I think he mm-hmm. clearly backed it up that, this weekend. One thing that I will add, um, add on to that, I, I like your comparison from, from Rock to Flash. Uh, one thing that they're extremely similar in is I can say without a doubt that 100% we're going to talk about Rock and Flash way more than the people that actually beat them at tournaments this past week. <laughs> like, we mentioned Casey, we mentioned Bobby Big Balls. We're going to spend so much more time, we spent so much more time with Rock that we're going to say on them. Uh, you know, if we get a chance to talk about Flash, he had a he had a very good run at um, Shield Drop. He lost to Smash Daddy, I think, like six zero, six one. Not particularly like, I mean, the the story of Flash this weekend was that it was impossible to count him out. He had three straight three reverse three O's on top one hundred players. <laughs> like he is a player that you can't count out, and and yet, you know, it it kind of felt like the the tiny baby regional version of the Mutiking UGC run <laughs> where it's just like, you had your fun time to lose. Um, but uh, yeah, it was smash daddy, which is a player who generally it does not get talked about a lot and, you know, discourse or anything like that. But yeah, no, I, I think flash and rock are, are two players who it's like, uh, I don't know when I see this type of people, when I see these players like this, I feel, uh, you know, get all greedy and I use my guy who runs the top 100 voice and I like go, they should enter more. <laughs> I want to capture them like a Pokemon and put them on the top 100, you know, like uh, but yeah, no, players who I think uh, if they don't end up entering enough to hit top 100 could be forgotten to history and I think that, you know, it's it's would be a shame because these players Flash, Rock, countless others um, are just so fucking good and it it's sometimes you know we need to be reminded of it and weekends like this with flash and shield drop and rock here and fucking probably you know you could even throw in chango there a player who uh, i feel like gets underrated a lot yeah it's it's stuff like this that's important for that i would like to add another run that happened at the trail invitational because we're talking about all these people who were active before the pandemic were present and had these massive jumps in skill that 
happened off screen or basically out of the public spotlight before jumping in. I want to mention one other player that was actually at the Trail Invitational. And this is someone who I genuinely think they have one of the more sudden and honestly hilarious rises to prominence of any regional player. I am talking about our good friend, a person that we got to hang out with at the Trail Invitational, Beckfin, who very suddenly has found themselves like top five or top 10 in New England and leaving this weekend with a victory over Jay Flex in the seventh place at the Trail Invitational. Literally outplacing the guy who we gushed about for however many mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Justin, you are um, an Icy's player, but more mm-hmm. than that, you are an Icy's fan, right? I, I know that you are a very good player, but uh, your your fandom overcomes anything in that type of uh, realm. Uh, That's true. What what are your insights on Beckfin? Beckfin definitely, at, you know, as Edwin mentioned, a player who don't think that was on a lot of people's radar recently. You know, I, he had, uh, formerly went as Bean. He had that one weird. Did he take a game off of HBox with Ness or something like that? I yes, don't remember that. Yes, yeah. So he had some claim to fame, but uh, yeah, in the past year, or so Edwin's right. He he definitely has become. In, you know, increasingly more legitimate in terms of like a bracket threat, and and we saw probably his best land win at, at, and just land performance in general at uh, this tournament here. So yeah, give mm-hmm. me your thoughts as an icy connoisseur on uh, on Beckfin. So Beckfin's been rising up in New England for, I mean, online. If you enter or follow online brackets at all, Beckfin enters a lot. Waddle Wednesday, mm-hmm. any of Dev Dog's tournaments, shouts to Dev Dog. Um, Beckfin enters a lot, and. Their results have just gotten like so much better, like consistently beating players like Bobby Big Balls, beating Ben. And there are definitely players who um no like no shade to any of them, but like there are players who get those kinds of results online and it just doesn't translate to land. Like it, it they get really good results online constantly, and they don't get those results on land. Um Beckvin has been. He are like he that what is it? Calvar at the sauna. Do you know what the sauna is? Yeah. yeah, well, so, Edwin, what's the sauna? Yeah, it's a re- it's a regional. But no, no, my God, about what it, like who is involved? Who is allowed, who's allowed to go? Oh, right, right. The, the, my my top fifty, right? right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I I like served you a ball for you to hit as like perfectly as a home run. And you swung and miss, and I like still I like take it back. Like, try to get it. You put it on you put it on a tee. I put it on a tee, and you somehow hit that like tee itself, and the ball stays suspended in midair. Uh, anyway, we get there. Yes, yeah, so the sauna, a very um, you know a stacked tournament comes in terms of New England, one that dealt one that allowed anyone who was ranked on the top fifty in New England to go. And Beckfin goes to the sauna and beats the dominant number one in New England, Calvar. In Icy's yeah. Marth, a matchup that is considered to be one of Calvar's best from all of the years of playing Arcuda slash Infinite Numbers. Um, follows it up with a win on JFlex at the Trail Invitational 3. And I, I guess to the people outside of the sphere of knowing Flex might think, okay, it's Icy Chic. That matchup is terrible and it's unwinnable. Flex is going to lose that. If you've ever seen, because of, uh, what is it, Moff beating JMU. Um, if you've ever seen JFlex's stream... Uh, JFlex plays with Moth pretty often and like destroys Moth very regularly. JFlex was he well, no, no, it's hard to say grew up because he was older than all of them, but he was getting good in a time period when there were four PR level ice climbers players just having to run into this chic 
week after week. He had to play with Fry Cook. He had to play with Corn. He had to play with JGM. He had to play with Pudgy Panda. Four very formidable ICs. And as a Sheik, and as a Boomer Sheik, because Boomers are the kryptonite for mid-tiers. Boomers are amazing at those like really weird, floaty matchups, especially Boomers from New Jersey. Um, so Flex is good at the ICs matchup, is what I'm saying. And it was very surprising uh, to most of the NJers seeing that Beckman beat Flex, just a testament to how good Beckman is. For sure. Um, you know, we we had Wave Dash we talked about. We have Trail Invitational. We kind of mentioned Shield Drop um, just because of how stacked it is. I don't know how much we're going to get into it. But really what this weekend represented to me was not, you know, it wasn't Amsa winning Trail Invitational. It wasn't JMook winning Wave Dash. You know, we, we talked about how that kind of was not a particular shock. Um, it, it wasn't really any of the high-level stuff, which I feel like as you get further and further into the summer where we have a lot of stacked events, it really does feel like that's when a lot of these big things are going to be decided, right? Who's going to be top 10 is decided then. Who's going to be top five? Who's number one feels like that's like, you know, a lot of people are going to make up ground when it comes to those big summer majors on that. Um, and yet an event like, or a weekend like this kind of gets lost in all that because this doesn't change anything for the top five, right? No one's saying Mook's suddenly number one because he won Wave Dash. No one's saying... Amsa, you know, winning trail means that he should be going up or, or anything that happened here is like going to really impact the race for number one. And yet what happened this past week, I think is extremely interesting for the lower level players. So like the, the players in the top 100 who um, are going to be going to big events and possibly upsetting people, you know, maybe the, the players that we see now who are having these runs here might go to a Gommel or a Smash Con or a Shine or a Big House or something and then get a really big upset. Um, or, you know, players who uh, might make their debut in the top 100 because of the very wins that we saw this weekend. So, yeah, it's it's always interesting to see. And I know that when we talk about uh, rankings, generally the, the sexy thing is number one. But uh, it's stuff like this where you have players who come into an event and go out completely different right you know it's and it's so cool to see that uh anyway we've you know speaking of speaking of the top 100 um we've got a summer rank coming up so the the ssbm rank uh summer 2023 the season ends with gommel in about a month and we have a couple fun events before then we've got lacs we've got ceo we're going to talk about of course um we've got fate there's a lot that's going on here, and I don't think anything is set in stone. It's kind of one of the interesting things is that there are years that we go into June, late June, and we know who's going to be number one. And it's, you know, it's fine. But uh, this year is not particularly like that. And and even a lot of the other places, we don't really know who's going to be top five. We don't really know who's top ten. There's so much that's up in the air. And it, that's what makes these events interesting is that everything that happens is going to mean a lot for the summer rank that we see. Now, Justin, I talked to you this past weekend, Translational. I think uh, the second words you said were, do you want to hear my hot take about the rankings? The first ones, I think, were, hey. Um, <laughs> or maybe you hit me with a hello. But uh, but you mm -hmm. are someone who, you've done the ballot for a little bit. You, are, I believe, are involved with tri-state rankings as well. I don't know if you're involved with like New York and uh, New Jersey specifically, but you are someone who uh, definitely has a pedigree of ranking. And of all the people who do the ballots, 
I struggle to think of someone who does theirs as early as you do. So you, I think, are specifically engineered to be a great guest for this segment. Um, we obviously, um, I, I guess I'll announce it. We all have ballots. <laughs> I, I don't think Edwin, uh, I don't think he uh, he submitted an application. No, I submitted, I submitted I one. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, I must have automatically rejected it without thinking. No, but uh, so we, we are people who have had ballots for a while. We are people who have ballots here. But I want to hear your thoughts, Justin, because you come to these events and you come prepared you give me you say do you know who's number 52 in the world right now i go justin it's fucking june i don't know um let's let's talk about some things that we're expecting to see and let's talk about some things that maybe the general public is not expecting that uh you know you only really find out once all the data is in front of you so yeah let's let's talk about kind of what the race for number one is going to look like and then also before that, I want to hear some of your hot takes, Justin. Sure. Give me some ranking hot takes. Ranking hot takes. So do you want the good or like the, the higher than expected or lower than expected as first? Well, what's more? Uh, let, let's do some higher than expected because I, sure. I think that um, when it comes to, to summer ranks, um, like a, a lot of the, the positions, um, it's going to be filled by players that we know, but usually these rankings a lot of people sneak in and, and kind of go under not not sneak it but they they get ranked uh rightfully and it goes under noticed until the, the ranking actually comes out so yeah let's talk about some people that that might shock people to hear as as uh, in your top 50 sure so people are a little shocking to some um i think mateo is one of them he had one phenomenal regional at a bodied the uh mm -hmm. i think it's in michigan he beat Ginger, he beat KGH, beat Skurzo. Zuppi was at the tournament, uh, lost to Vorporal, and uh, was in losers pretty early. And Mateo ended up getting second at the tournament, losing to Ginger. Um, that run, combined with him beating Meds, uh, Mango's Dr. Mario. But the, <laughs> that's a can of worms there. But he's had a pretty solid like set of events this year. Um, had a game five with uh, Zuppi at the come up. Uh, collision wasn't didn't really beat anyone great, but also, like, his losses were Kadoran and Bebats, two players who will for sure be on the top 50. So I think Mateo is a player who's kind of under the radar, uh, was ranked, like, Mr. 100 last year, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. and uh, will be interesting to see him jump up 50 spots, presumably, assuming nothing crazy happens. And he will be at Gommel. It is his, uh, his home region, so expect him to take names there. That's mm -hmm. one person. Mateo, definitely a player who, you know, when the top 100 comes out, uh, some players take a little bit to, to you know secure a resume, and other players do it immediately and make the ranking look outdated the second it comes out. And Mateo is one of the people who did the latter. <laughs> um, Edwin, I, I you know I doubt the two of us got a chance to make a list. How okay? First off, how far did you make your list out to? Is it like 70 something? Are you talking to me or Justin? I'm talking to Justin, sorry. Oh, I thought you were talking. Okay. Um No, we so, didn't make <laughs> we didn't yeah. make extensive rankings just yet. Gotcha. So what I've so like the whole I just as a precursor to this, um, a lot of the time what balladers will do is they'll like follow the results throughout the year and then towards when the announcements are made and the ballots sent out, they'll start like looking at all the results and then making their ballots the day of, or like around the time that the ballots are sent out. What I've been doing this year to kind of like offload some of the work and just do it 
throughout the season is doing a rolling rank. So I've just been like keeping track of all the results and updating my rankings as the things have been going by. So this has been updating like so I just have a ballot prepared. Um, and I went down to about 60. Okay. So, so there's a couple of people I, I have in mind like after that range, but it goes down to 60 roughly. And 31 to 50 are unranked, but they're like tiered. So the 10 people mm-hmm. from 31 to 40, I have like would put above those 10 people underneath and so forth. I am not afraid to admit that I do not have 60 players ranked just at the drop of a hat, which I'm willing to say. And Edwin, I think it's probably a fair guess to say that you might not have the same thing. But uh, what I am going to ask you, Edwin, is there are there any players who you also expect to kind of make a bit of a jump that, uh, you know, might kind of fly under the radar? Yeah, I think one one player I think especially comes to mind. And I think with, with this player in particular, it's because that they happen to be there happens to be three other players in their state that, that take all the attention away from them. And the player I'm talking about is SDJ. I think SDJ has had quite a strong year. Like, I, I think if you obviously have to sit down and look and see how their data translates against everyone else's and have to compare head-to-heads and all that stuff. But just in terms of a trend this year, I think w- what I've noticed following the scene and following locals and regionals and, and whatnot, I think SDJ's had some some quite strong results. And we're talking about someone who, who goes back and forth with people like Salt and Bobby Big Balls. Bobby Big Balls is someone that, that I think we could safely call a top safely call a top 50 pick salt is someone that we just saw win a win a regional over someone who's in contention for top 10 potentially depending on how much how much lot mm-hmm. it tends yep. to do in one, a year one we, low tide over lot yeah one low tide over lot has beaten axe multiple times so yeah we're, we're talking about stj who's who's going back and forth with a player of that kind of caliber stj also to their credit has has an axe win as well um they've beaten like eddie mexico and Eddie Mexico and Spark at a, at a pretty good Genesis. They they beat Axe as well at Low Tide City. You know this this is someone who who I think has had quite a quite a strong year, and I think it's gone o- overlooked a little bit because players like SFOP, um, Bobby, and Salt tend to sort of draw the draw the spotlight when it comes to top Texas players, and and not necessarily unreasonably. But I I don't think SDJ is far off, and just. If if you asked me to make a rank right now off the top of my head, I I truly think that it would not be unreasonable to consider SDJ for the twenty eight to like thirty three ish range of players. I think they've actually done quite well, and it, it's kind of crazy that no one's talking about it. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna pick a player who we probably all spoke to this past weekend. <laughs> I'm not not sure about either one of you, but uh. I think a player who might not rise as high as, um, you know, maybe not like the the echelon of some of the players who I think they're just as good as, but um, I'm going to say Kem. Kem is a player who we know is good. Kem made top 50 last year. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that Kem, when Kem makes an upset. Um, And because of that, I I think that what we'll see of Kem this year is going to be a pretty decent summer rank and I think a better top 100 rank because, you know, when you have a player who goes on the runs that he does and it doesn't surprise you that's probably a pretty good uh, indication that they are not really making upsets right they they are just that damn good so we saw um relief he got what third a trail invitational i think he beat bobby twice he had a couple other wins um i know he did really well at uh a creed, creed he beat crudo 
He beat Crudo. Yeah, he beat Crudo. He uh, did he double eliminate Hacks there? He had a. Uh, he beat he Hacks has... once, but he beat Flex, Mom Money, and Hacks. Yeah, I think he has a Hacks win somewhere else. A different short hops, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has some, yeah, multiple like really good wins, and um, he's going to be going to LACS, I believe. I mm -hmm. also think that he's supposed to be going to um, No Johns. Is he signed up for nightclub? Do you know? He is not going to nightclub. He's got something else that day. But he told me gotcha. he was considering going to Gunnel. He's, he's yeah, very I mean, heavily thinking about it. That's insane. I mean, he is a, he is a player who you have these, like, um, a lot of, like, Northeast regionals that he'll end up going to. Uh, I don't know if he is in contention to necessarily win them, just because, like, mm -hmm. you know, the one we just saw has fucking Absa. But I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be a threat to, you know, play second to the top 10 player who's there or even just take the whole thing if there's not a top 10 player. Because the way mm -hmm. he's been playing has been pretty under the radar. It's not a really big events, and and also you know, it's just like the fox thing where, um, kind of takes a little bit more for a fox to break through in the public consciousness. But uh, no, I I think that he is someone who, you know, every single year when when balladers do rankings, I feel like there's always players who you don't think they're as good as they are until all the data is in front of you. And I think Kem is going to be that. Like I think the balladers are going to look at Kem's resume and just go, "There's nothing but good wins, and there's nothing but like." decent losses right he doesn't have like any really horrible losses on his resume and he has and he punches above his weight i think he's a player who's going to shock a lot of balladers about just how solid he is edward what do you think i think another player on that note who is going to randomly catch a lot of like if you took a look at i think i think we what, what you end up doing for yours is just based on talking to you about your ballot you end up having players that you end up having like a list of sets and like player names and green like players that are shaded green or players that a player is defeated and players sure. sh shaded red it's players. a lot it's a lot uh worse than that it, yeah, it looks more like the ramblings of a madman than that but yes that is very similar it's yeah. very kind of you to make it sound that yeah. organized yeah i think one player again respective of like it, like you know ignoring context of where the where the sets happen I think one player that will randomly catch a lot of people off guard is Nut because of that pre-local before yeah. a major upset. I think that pre-local like is just going to – so many panelists are going to look at Nut's head-to-heads. They're going to be like, what the hell? Like, this guy's been, like, like you know, top 100 – like, a very good player. But this guy, like, like we've known who this guy is for – for like four years what the hell how does he have a soon say win what do soon say wins yeah he soon won the event over soon say what like i i think that's gonna <laughs> i think nut is will uh it, it'll be funny to see where where the panelists put him because i think that that kind of thing will, i suspect is going to sneak up on, on quite a few people and it'll be interesting to see how that's evaluated that I'm one local, he beat Sunsei twice, Salt and Polish, for context. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> yeah. And the... So, Nut is such a... I don't know if anyone's got a chance to talk to him. I, I have, like, once or twice. But uh, he's a very nice guy. But even more than that, just, like, his aura, what he exudes, it's just, like, so, you know, like, hard to hate. He just seems like, so, like a guy who's loving life. And yet, when I think about the ranking... I'm pretty sure I'm going to hate him because he is a guy who not only does that, but he's got like these really out there losses. You know, he lost to Koopa at um, DreamHack San Diego. We talked about Koopa's this really good player. He lost to Umar this past week. Um, he lost to Miffy. <laughs> like, he lost right? to, shout out to Miffy, South Jersey Puff, legend of the game. 
at a collision john wick yeah. at a battle of bc5 yeah he's so. just got like a, a lot of wins that are kind of all over the place um and like he's got yeah you know, he's got those those really amazing local wins and he's got the really wild losses at kind of larger tournaments so yeah he'll be definitely an interesting person to reckon with no matter where he ends up um if he ends up ranked or if he ends up just outside of it it'll be a lot of trials and tribulations to to figure out like a number to put next to his name for every panelist um but let's let's jump into the the higher echelon here because as we mentioned earlier i think that the top 10 is not decided yet i think there's it's so open and i think the top five with the events that we're going to be seeing with gommel with lacs with um even ceo is going to have big implications on the top five itself uh even if it's not like a super major anything um what we're gonna see is gonna really switch that up so i have kind of some uh you know ideas on on what i would say but uh i know that justin we've talked about your top five let's do you want to go through who you have as your top five right now uh sure i th so i think the top five as of right now in regards to who is there i think it's pretty set by the current tournaments as is um i think mango is a very difficult player to assess right now because he basically has like one and a half tournaments if you mm -hmm. like because his genesis was not an actual i mean it, it's 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 murky you know Based off of his tipped off alone, like he's very clearly in the caliber of the top five and could very easily be ranked like three, two, even one based on the rest of his year. But I don't think I would rank him top five right now, even though by skill he's very much there. Um, additionally, Leffen and Plup aren't active, if I'm not mistaken. So they're like they, they will go to more stuff. So yeah. I, I'm talking as in like right now, which is why like I I think it's pretty set to say if the ranking were to be created right now, Leffen, Mango, Plup would not be in the top five, purely mm -hmm. because of activity, even though they could all make it. Um, so because of that, uh, the top five right now in regards to like who I would say those five players are, uh, Jmook, Cody, and Zane I think are fighting for that number one spot. They are, I I had them in like a, a tier of their own. Uh, the top three, and it's also still not set. Like anything could happen. But I, I had yeah. Jmu, Cody, and Zane in that specific order as the top three, and then four and five, I had Amza four, Moki five. But very, very close, and anything could happen. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's basically it right now. And like you say, you know, nothing is set. Hbox could win CEO, LACS, and Gommel, and suddenly, fuck, he might be number one. If he's not, he's in that tier of, of the players. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a few more events coming up, and it really doesn't even feel like a lot just because there's only a few of them. But we're so close. Everyone's so neck and neck, and anything that happens can change this drastically. It was like last year when we thought there was going to be a special tour to Panda Cup, and basically it felt like we don't know anything. It, we might think someone's number one. Anything could change. There was that moment where it was like November or like October, and we were saying um, an O-Tour, if they win every tournament from now to the end of the year would be number one. And it kind of feels like something like that right now, where we've got a couple events. We've got CEO. Uh, I mentioned LACS, of course, is going to be a huge one. Fate is going to have some implications if the, uh, you know, all the players who are signed up currently go and also don't go Roy. Um, and then Gommel to cap it off as like kind of the quasi super major, or at least like in terms of top level talent, 
Um, so we've got a ton going on, but yeah, I, I think that that's right. Edwin, do you have any, um, hard feelings against, uh, against this top five? Because for what I'm feeling right now, you know, maybe I might put, um, you know, Amsa above Moki or Moki above Amsa or something like that. But, uh, I think in terms of just like those general tiers, that feels correct to me. Yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty clearly correct. I'm, uh, I'm actually quite interested to see how the, the number six to number nine spots end yeah. up, end up oh, because I, on. Because I think you that, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's not what I meant, but but I think you know I think that group of Mango, Leffen, Hungrybox, Plup. If you ask me off vibes to order that group, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me how to how to order them in terms of like what I think their their ceiling is, you know, I I think Mango is a clear like guy that seems like he has the top level match, like the best path to winning a super major, but he yeah. he hasn't been, you know fully present he's he's been at events but his he hasn't fully been present in the sense of trying his hardest hungry box has been has been both fully present and not fully present which i don't really know how to how to account for because he's going to events and he's fulfilling a baseline level of activity but you know i i haven't really seen anything to make me think that his top level head-to-heads are haven't have an opening in them yet maybe he just hasn't had a matchup against jmook or anything relatively favorable for him like that so you know like like you said he he could get a draw like that at gommel or ludwig's event and we, we could see hungry box win a major and enter enter that contention um i mean leffen and Plup, i i don't even know how active they're going to be in melee by by next year but certainly by skill they they both seem pretty good we we saw leffen have a pretty solid battle of bc he made top eight at genesis we saw you know we haven't seen that much of Plup, but from what we've seen you know it's it's not like he took that like he still looks pretty solid like he he had a strong major upset where he was a uh he was an edge guard away from resetting grand finals of, of versus cody he, he had a very strong genesis run that kind of went under the radar yeah. so i'm i'm very interested to see how those four players fare from from here to now because like depending on their brackets and depending on how the tournaments play out, we, we could see them jump into that contention for number one, one range. We could see them, you know, maybe become dark horses for number one, or we could see them, you know, recede away or, or not show up on the list at all. So I'm, I'm definitely very invested to see how those group of four players do as well. Definitely an interesting year. Uh, and it, it makes tournaments fun because, we have the kind of established players that we've seen, and then we have the people who could do, like, you know, we've got the Dark Horses, we've got Mango who could win literally anything. I wouldn't be surprised if Mango was number one by the end of the year. Um, Leffen, you know, we've talked about for a, a long time how Leffen can win tournaments, uh, like basically any tournament, and I don't think that's necessarily changed. I do think that um, any given tournament is still up for grabs for him. I, I, you know, I think he's got a lot of things in his way to to kind of string all the wins necessary together to do that. But, uh, but yeah, still possible. And then Plup is someone who just by what we've seen this past year, like the few things we've seen in the past six months, seems like he's playing better than he did in a while. Um, like the, the 2021 age where he was, you know, uh, like on the same, like in the top five with Wizzy and, and, uh, you know, Zane Mango Cody in that kind of unranked uh, list that Panda made. Um, yeah, I feel like he's the best since then. But when we talk about these players, I think it's with the understanding that if they are going to win a major or if they are going to make a push for number one, they kind of have their work cut out for them because who we are seeing at the top 
have basically been, you know, kind of separating from the pack. And uh, even though you see stuff like Amsa 3 Insane and you see Amsa versus JMook and you see, you know, Moki doing all this, uh, you know, insane shit. Uh, but like, I think the top three is pretty definitively clear. And I believe that we all agree on that. So my question for you, both of you, is with about a month to go, basically almost like four weeks to the day in the um, in this ranking period. Who do you predict will make number one at the end of the period? Um, what do you think, Justin? I think it's Zane. Um, it's Zane, okay. I do think it's Zane. So Zane's someone who won fewer tournaments than both Cody and JMook. Yes. He's also more consistent than both Cody and JMook. And with more events that if all of these players are all attending events and Zane wins multiple of these and does not get upset, he's won. It's a very, very, very simple explanation. What do you think, Edwin? I think, I think it's a Zane certainly has a chance at finishing number one. I think he could tie the the major leads, or he could tie Jamuk and Cody with major leads. But for him to be number one, in in my opinion, just the most likely route, I think he would need to win two majors. I think even if he ties Jamuk and Cody and has solid head to heads. There's something very uh, special, in my opinion, about winning a tournament as prestigious as Genesis for and combining that with another really stacked tournament in Collision that that is very hard for me to see overcome in any way that does not involve either a stretch of dominance from someone like Zane or Mango or Cody taking the lead. So in my opinion, although I don't think it's a lock, I do think JMook is in a very good position to defend mm-hmm. his current reigning spot as the person who's had the best first half of the year so far. So I'm going to go with JMook. It really comes down to this thing that I that we haven't seen enough of, which is this Icy's in my mind, right? Um, and obviously, you know, Cody could just fucking sweep everything; it won't matter. But when I think of Zane. Zane is a player who you look at his head-to-heads and he has Amsa, which has looked tough, but, you know, same for J-Mook. Um, and, and really the issue is, like, him going 50-50 with Cody and him losing to J-Mook. And, and it's, like, in a situation where he gets top three at uh, LACS and Gommel and he has to face two of those, I think it gets a little scary. And it really just comes down to where this Icy's is. That being said, you know, I'm going to do the thing that we do every time we talk about a tournament because every time we go into a tournament, every time we go into a major, like a super major where everyone is there, I want to be the guy who picks a fun pick. I want to say fucking Mango's going to win or Leffen's going to win. But I have to come down to the person who I think on any given day performs the best and performs the best against the field, which is Cody. Cody is a player who you look at the, his uh, head-to-heads, you know, no matter what they may be at any given time, it's really hard to find any matchup of his and say, that's really hard. Um, like, the toughest he has is Mango, and we don't even know if that's a thing right now. Like, they, he hasn't played Mango in a little bit, and also Mango, obviously, you know, we, we don't really know to which extent he's going to be playing. He signed up for LACS, and you know, could be going to Gommel because he's a uh, team captain of their thing whatever their crew battle uh we don't know if that means he's gonna you know go marth or doc or whatever or or if he's gonna run into someone before cody we uh, in in terms of like scariest opponents to face 
if yours is a player who you might not see because he might get eliminated before winner's semis or you know, might get sent to losers, that's not a bad draw. Uh, and for someone like Cody, who's very good against H-Bugs, very good against AMSA, uh, I believe, despite the, the recent sets, um, probably would be even if not favor with JMook and probably even with Zane. Well, I, I look at a player like that and I just have to think that that is a player who statistically has the best chance of being number one, especially because he already has wins under his belt. Um, I think that Zane is going to be a player who's really, really good. You know, it's going to do so well at these events and I would not be shocked if he won one or two. Um, it's just like right now, number one's just a little bit further from reach for him. And when you take two people who are extremely close, uh, I have to give it to the person who's right now has to win less to be number one. And I think Jay Mook is also amazing. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it's the type of thing where we could see CEO, CEO with uh, Hbox, you know, could likely Hbox win the entire thing. That's, that's a scary thing. Um, it's not that I think Jay Mook is worse. I just think that like, Mook is entering scarier <laughs> events than the other two are. So I'll pick Cody. Um, I think that he is my pick for who I see to be ranked number one. And, you know, when, when we actually see what happens at LACS and Gobble, maybe we'll uh, have a better idea of what's going on. But for then, that'll be my pick. Um, which uh, moves us on to the next thing to talk about. So mentioning Cody... Um, and going to these tournaments, I think that it is impossible to bring up Cody without talking about what has happened this past week. So for those of you who are not in the know in terms of, uh, you know, kind of what happens on Twitter and smash, uh, Cody made, um, I guess an announcement is probably the best way to say it. Cody, Cody made a post that kind of lined out his thoughts and feelings on smash right now and his future with the game. And it was a post that, um, I think is incredibly important. It uh, basically said that he wants to have a sustainable life. He wants to have a life where he can feel like he can provide for the ones in his family who need him, uh, which I think is something that is completely understandable and uh, uh, like a worthwhile goal to strive for. And uh, basically he said that he does not know if Smash will be able to do that. And uh, currently it is not going to be able to do that. So he made a kind of a, a deal with himself where if by Genesis next year, he does not have a way to make this um, kind of a sustainable life that he will quit. Um, you know, he is currently unsponsored. He was sponsored by Panda and we saw how that happened. And then he was sponsored by CLG and we saw how that happened. And currently, you know, I, I know that there was kind of some coy posts about disguised toast picking him up. Um, but making this post really makes me feel as though you know any kind of rumors we might have heard um might just be that it might just be rumors and it's really interesting to hear something like this you know the the candor that he delivered i think is not something that we generally hear from top players um and it really just does kind of give a split between these new top players we're talking about right we're talking about three players who we say are definitively top three in the world and um Basically, all of them are doc kids. You know, some of them. I know Jay Mook's been around for a while. I, you know, you know, but um, even then, I, I don't think that he was playing before 2013 or whatever. Like these players have started very recently, and there's a pretty clear divide between how sustainable it is for them and how sustainable it is for the actually like established names in Smash um, who have you know lucrative streaming careers. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we're talking about a player who I think could be number one. And not only that, I think in the long term, I think Cody is has the best chance out of anyone who's not named Hungrybox to be ranked third all time. Um, like if you talk about five years from now, if you were to see an, like someone in the top three who wasn't um, like Hbox, you know, assuming Armada and Mango are top two still, um, I think it could be Cody. I think Cody has an amazing chance to do that. So when we talk about something like that, you know, it's kind of the understanding that he's going to keep playing, but posts like this kind of make us feel otherwise. So Edwin, we talk a lot about um, the smash scene. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. And we have seen so many things come and go. Um, and this year in particular has been a, a year that feels pretty dour in terms of what we've lost. Um, so I guess the question I have for you is how do you view smash in the near future? And how do you view it in the, you know, kind of longer term future? Because I think when people talk about smash, they say we're the cockroaches of, of gaming will never go away. And it, while i do believe it's true it it does kind of take away from any hardships that we're going through in the moment so i guess i want to ask you what is the short-term future of melee uh yeah so i so i guess the and i'm just going to connect this to, to cody particularly with, with his circumstance and what what i know about it i think cody is unfortunately in a very tricky position where he knows what the world number one of an esport like melee is worth in the mm-hmm. in the pre you know the the latest kind of I don't want to say recession because that seems like the wrong word, but the latest kind of down spiral of esports, right? I think he knows what what that meant like back then, and just the the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, I, I th- and he's talked about this on stream, so I don't feel out of bounds for mentioning this, but I I think in terms of what he's looking for and what he's what he's looking for from a team, it is just not available you know, right now due to the broader state of the economy and just where esports fits in with that with you know money. VC money drying up and and the fail and the industry wide failure to monetize off content and off competition. So I think as as far as where does that? Sorry, I, I just want to connect it back to the original question that you were saying. You were talking about the Smash's near future, correct? Yes. Yeah, I I think in the short term we're we're gonna see we're gonna see top players struggle. We're gonna start to see you know a lot of events have to scale or we're going to see a smaller scale of events we might see a lot of them I, I i can tell you that based on what i've studied this year as far as events go and as far as typical kpis for the the scene's health goes we are having a lot of tournaments uh, you know people people are panicking and realizing that our flagship organizations aren't around or they're not around in the same capacity that they used to be so what do we do when, when that happens we run tournaments because we want to make sure our game survives so there is a love for Smash. There's a passion for Smash. There's events being run. People are going to events. But but I will say, we and and I don't want to BS anyone listening to this. I had I do look at viewership metrics like watch time hours on Twitch. I look at I look at things like that. And and I gotta say that the first six months of this year, the first five and a half half months or so of this year, have been pretty dreadful for Smash standards. I would say, I would actually go as far as to say that it's about as dreadful as it's ever been in the last like eight years. Which is typically when these when or like seven years or so, which is typically when these metrics are recorded. So we're having events. People are going to events, but they're not as much as they they were going to in the in the prime. You know the the twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen age or whatever. We're not doing as well on viewership as as we used to do, and we're not doing as well as well on content. 
So in the near future, this is what I think will happen, right? I think Smash is going to, I think Smash and the overall like quote unquote evaluation of Smash is going to be very low. And I think a bunch of people, and we're starting to see this already, a bunch of people are going to see Smash at a low evaluation. They're all going to want to jump in like vultures. They're going to want to jump in. They're going to want to take whatever they can get. They're going to want to try to to buy us for as they're going to try to buy buy their way into the community for as little money as they need to do to get the most at to get the most out of everyone else. And I think that's going to happen for the next year or two or so. And then I think Smash will slowly come back. Have a I don't want to say boom, but you know I I think Smash will find a way. We've we've always found a way for twenty years. There's always, there's just too much passion. There's too much interest interest and there's too much of an audience for smash and in my opinion for it to ever completely like leave the competitive sports or content world so i i think in in like a year and a half maybe two years or so we may we may see smash go through another similar boom cycle if if you want to call it that but i think right now in the near future uh we're we're seeing the you know just in the broad speeds we're seeing the evaluation of smash uh scare off a couple people but eventually you know the, I don't want to say the market will correct itself, but I think people will recognize that Smash is is improperly valued, and and people with a lot of money will will get invested in the scene again because that's just that's just how it always goes. But you know, for for people wondering if this is the end of Smash, if Smash itself is not sustainable, I I will I will say individually, it's it is a very risky career. It always has been. It's never, it's never been well, that sustainable for an individual if you're not Mango, Hungrybox, or Leffen. But I think, will the community be okay? Will there be passion to run events? And will people care about Smash? That much, I can say, will we'll stay the same. But but we're in a tough time, and we're starting to see that. Sorry, Gen X, your is very plugged into the scene. You know a lot of people behind the scenes. You know a lot of top players. Um, what are your thoughts on, on kind of the situation that's going on with Cody and how it relates to smashes you know current woes so there are some things that i have to say that are very optimistic and some that are very pessimistic but i think the 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 general theme of what i've got to say is that smash is not sustainable but it will last forever um how do i phrase this people are running like we've seen over the last couple of years plenty of major like mainstay major tournaments vanish or announce that they are shutting down Beyond mm-hmm. in the last what three months we have no in the last six months we have lost BTS we have lost a bunch of VG bootcamp majors we have mm-hmm. so we've lost Pound we've lost Double Down we've lost Apex etc. Um, we're losing Shine. There's going to be no more Shine after this year. But despite that, we have talked about the Trail Invitational. We've talked about Wave Dash. We've talked about Shield Jump. We've talked about a bunch of these smaller majors or regionals that the local scenes are taking place of and traveling from states away or flying to to attend these events will never end there will Mm -hmm. always be people willing to lose money to fly top players out to events or just to run events for the local scene because that is that's where the passion for the game will end up being it's it's in the local scene it starts with the local scene it dies with the local scene like people can be playing slippy forever but it wouldn't be as big as it is without people passionate about the game playing at their locals those events, these regionals, no matter how unsustainable smashes for the top player, they'll never end. Unfortunately for the top player, it gets difficult. Um, Edwin touched upon this when he was speaking about Cody's worth. Um, 
Cody, as one of the best players of an esport, is worth a certain amount. Teams are not necessarily willing to give the amount that he is potentially worth because of other sponsors pulling out, because of crypto failing, because of tournaments shutting down, because of Smash's viewer numbers dropping. And it puts Cody specifically, I mean, other players around his caliber of skill too, but he is the one we're talking about here. But he is in a very tricky situation where he is worth too much for a, I, in the nicest way possible, a mediocre org, but he is worth too little for a top tier org. And, but despite this, and I, I think that we've, we've seen this throughout um, Battle of BC where he was sponsored by Eggdog. Um, mm -hmm. people would fly him out to events. People are passionate enough about the game that they will bring him to events. He will be able to, if he were to continue playing without a sponsor, I am sure that he would be able to go to every single major for the rest of his life for free. But he can't, like, buy a house with that. He can't raise a family with that. Mm -hmm. He can't sustain himself comfortably living off of other people's kindness forever. And that, like, he cannot make a living salary off of Melee forever but just playing Melee. A lot of the people you've mentioned before, the established names... The Hungry Box, the Plup, the Leffen, the the Mango. They are not making money to the level they are because they are playing Super Smash Brothers Melee 24-7. Leffen makes a bunch of money off of the stream for playing other fighting games. Hungry Box mostly plays Ultimate. He's a variety streamer at this point. Uh Mango can play Valorant until what, two and two or three in the morning and stay up for fifty-three hours, and he will continue gaining subs because people love Mango for who he is, not just because he's a god of melee. And Plup's just a gamer god. Um, and people have grown up watching these players as they have, you know, lived through the melee scene, watching tournaments and have come to love their personalities and love who they are and appreciate them as like content producers. They have gotten big enough that they are the content for a lot of the newer names in melee, including like the ones who are sponsored, the Zanes, the Jmooks and the Cody's, they are not like, they don't have the, the casual, I think casual is the wrong term, but as widespread of an appeal, so they cannot make themselves the content outside of Melee. Leffen can make himself the content outside of Melee. He's at Red Bull Kumite in South Africa in, I think, two weeks. You know what, Justin? I think you hit on a lot of points that I think are extremely important here. Um, we've talked on this show before, and I've talked um, in person about how I think right now is like the best time to watch top level melee. And not only because the game keeps improving, you know, just by people playing it, but it's one of the healthiest times. We have such a, um, like an, an openness at the top level that we really didn't have when we were huge. When we were the biggest, when we had five melee tournaments in a year that broke a thousand entrants, um, it was Armada won everything, and then a sudden break happened, and HBox won everything right after. That was 2017. That was um, the year where we had five tournaments that uh, had over a thousand people, and, and right now we're probably going to have one. Maybe Big House will break, um, you know, the the past two iterations and get a thousand, but I probably would not put money on that. Um, so yeah, it is this interesting thing where. Uh, I think the players that we have right now are so down to earth and, and it's so um, healthy for the game for them to be so good. And also like normal people that we don't say are like gods, which is a thing that, you know, melee stats has always felt kind of weird. Um, but the double-edged sword of that is that, yes, you know, um, when you are not a capital P personality, you are going to suffer. And I think that, um, 
you know zane has found elaine through his content um and and you know through uh connections to ludwig of course you know through um through moist moguls um and uh i think cody you're right i think cody's right in that weird spot where there's no real perfect option for him just because of the way stuff is um esports is definitely in a point where they're not really willing to shell out contracts that they're not 100 percent sure are going to you know recoup their losses and uh even with streaming we're seeing streaming change uh the amount that twitch gives you is changing we're seeing uh People want to leave Twitch and go to other things, and you know what? How that affects Twitch because the right, you know, it might be dumb to bring up XQC or Mizkiff or people who leave the Twitch while talking about Melee because you know I could think the a very smart thing to say is, well, Cody's never going to get a kick contract. Um, but it's less about that and more about how that affects Twitch and how it affects their bottom line and whether or not their policies that they're continuing to change right now continue to change for the worse for these uh people once they don't have the monopoly that they have or if it changes for the better because you know there's a more open market um it's just really up in the air and i think what cody wants is stability and for what we say about smash it is definitely not stable we know that it's going to exist and that is a talking point that we repeat endlessly is that we will be around even if it's just you know mango and and lucky in a garage in 2040 we know that'll exist um and in a way i do think that that conversation that, that we you know that has had that kind of um platitude that we throw around it's important to say in times like this but it's also important to say that the reason that it'll you know it can, it will still exist but it it needs you to exist right it needs the the person who's listening to this it needs the person who's watching streams is neither the person who's watching tournaments right you know um this scene will continue to exist because we have people who are passionate and we will always have people who are passionate who want to give shit right whether it's um people who want to throw tournaments or people who want to throw away money to get people to things or if it's organizations like the milwaukee bucks who who just announced cream city convergence who want to throw tournaments right we we'll have people who want to give us stuff but it's up to the community to not rest on our laurels and you know i i love the idea that we're always going to be around but sometimes it might be too comforting and we might need comfort but also comfort makes people complacent and we have to say you know i i can't sit idly back and let this thing exist like if we if you want smash to exist you gotta gotta give back to it i know it's it's hard to say for hobbies to like put stuff into it but uh, if you want it to always be there, you have to put a little work into it. And that being said, I think this year will be very good for Smash. Gommel, I'm not going <laughs> to leak too much, but I, I know Gommel's entrant numbers. It's the biggest Gommel for Melee in terms of pure entrance. Battle BC was the biggest Battle BC for Melee in terms of just pure Melee entrance. Um, Big House last year was bigger than the one before at Big House 9. But that was pre-pandemic. Genesis was 12,000 this year. I think Genesis last year is hard to count just because it got pushed back and there was a lot of DQs. But 12,000 would be bigger than Genesis 7 and Genesis 6, which were, you know, once again, pre-pandemic years. Like, it's tough, and the loss of BTS is really tough, but there's enough good news to find through the cracks where, like, you know, off-brand is going to be working with 
the crew that ran BTS. They're going to be kind of operating. I don't, they won't be, I don't expect them to suddenly make Smash Summit, you know, 15, 16, 17. Um, but I, I do think that people love Melee enough to want to give back to it. And we should love Melee enough to want to give back to people who want to give back to us. So I, I know it's a long winded way of saying that Melee will be fine, but um, I do think, you know, there's, there's importance to talking about, to both understanding that we'll be around forever and also making sure we make the most out of it while it's here. Edwin, what do you think? One thing I want to say is that I, I know it sucks that someone is not here anymore. And I'm re- and I really hate the fact that we have, we always have to bring them up because they were just such a monumental organization from summit, but you know, having spoken to the people that used to work at summit and like talk to them before and after, after the organization went down and everything, one thing that I, I think you'll find if you talk to them, that some, this is something that they not only believe off blind faith, but just like, if you think about it, like, the, like a, for a very concrete reason, there is money in the scene. People are mm-hmm. willing to put money and they're willing to put effort into into supporting things in Smash that made the community a better place and that that deliver like something of of uh, of you know indescribable value that that we'll remember for the rest of our life, right? Like we've seen people put hundreds, we've seen the community put hundreds of thousands of dollars into things like 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 even a, like Summit or or even even for charity, right? So I I'm not willing to say that the I'm not willing to say that the money's not there in the scene. I I truly believe that the money is there in the scene. I, I'm not going to say that there's no no risk with that money. You know, there's a reason. There's there's many reasons why sponsors are a bit wary of Smash and why mm-hmm. why Smash's evaluation is a little low right now. But I really believe that even just within the community itself, the the money, that the passion, the talent, like it it's all there. It, it can be honed. I I, I tr- truly believe that on a on a long term vision. And, and I don't think that's just a an empty leap of faith. I think there's good reason to think that. That's the last thing I'll say. I'm going to bring up something Blur said when we had downer episode number two out of five. I don't know. How many how many Doomer apps have we had this year? I'm going to say something that Blur said, uh, which is we're a cheap date. Melee and Smash, I guess, and to an extent, fucking cheap date. You can come in here and the amount of money that you put into the scene to make us love you is way lower than all the other games that people are eyeing up, right? If you want to throw $200,000 into league as an organization, I don't know. Do they, do you think they suddenly love you? <laughs> Half of them probably hate you for some reason. If you give us $200,000, we're going crazy. We're like shouting your name, right? Like we, um, I, I think BTS is a, is such a, um, uh, it's a it's something that's so close to Smash and was so amazing and, and wonderful to Smash, but as I mentioned when we talked about it months ago before they even you know before they even uh, shut down, was uh, at one point they were an organization that was out of Smash that was getting into Smash like, and it's so hard to see them as separate from Smash, you know. And I think it just goes to show like if you come into Smash and you want to put the money in and you put the more so than the money you put the passion in. Um, you will find a place. Go look at Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians is very well loved. Um, I think that we might be seeing another NBA team who's coming into melee. Who's you know who's probably going to be reciprocated if the uh, Cream City convergence goes well. Like yeah, there, there's definitely people who are willing to put the money in because you know people love Smash. People will always love Smash, and uh, generally our community loves it when people 
you know, want to see things happen, want to support us. And uh, because of that, yeah, I think we're going to have ebbs and flows forever. But I think we're always going to have someone who wants to see Melee do well. And uh, because of that, you know, we have stuff to look out for. And I think the important thing is to... It's on us for the game to survive in between those moments, right? We're going to be saved by angel investors every couple of years. And it's on me, you, the viewer, you know, everyone else to just keep the game afloat until the fucking uh, Houston Rockets want to throw a major in 2027, right? <laughs> until then, <laughs> it's just our job to make sure we don't fuck it up. Um, but yeah, that being said, we've got a, we've got a tournament here that's running melee that... Uh, I don't know. We've supported for years. We've got CEO. CEO is a tournament that has been around forever. We talked about Combo Breaker as in terms of, um, you know, how Melee can coexist with the FGC. I think CEO is a, definitely an interesting one, especially because unlike Combo Breaker, it does seem like it is uh, kind of trending downwards in terms of its importance with Melee. And uh, an event that, you know, used to be one of the biggest of the year is now something that's kind of an interesting footnote. Um, so we are seeing something that I think is honestly pretty um, pretty interesting in just terms of a tournament. It's, uh, it's going to be something that I went into with zero expectations, right? When CEO got announced with Melee, I really didn't have any feelings on it. I know that their past couple of years were not particularly great. Um, and that's saying something because last year, Panda uh, was affiliated. It was the first Panda Cup event, and it didn't like you know didn't have enormous success and the last one they ran before that was literally another ceo dreamland uh one that was affected by covid but one that before covid was not even getting a lot of success so like seeing that the last two ones that they threw had a lot of focus on smash and didn't find particular success made me feel that this one would not be uh too similar but albeit we have jmook Plop, Hungrybox, and Wizrobe here. We've got, of course, you know, players like Moth, Panda, Weapons, etc. We've got a lot of strong Florida talent, and we've got a tournament that actually is going to impact the end of the year and the and the you know summer egg. Um, Justin, what do you think about what what's going to happen at CEO here? Because I so, think we've got like two very distinct. We've got the top player tier, and we've got like the the real killer tier, like the Moths and Pandas and stuff like that. So before anything else, before you, I, I really wished you didn't say Wizard was going because I had this very long intro plan where I was going to say CEO is going to be really interesting because this is the first time this year we have seen a legendary player who has not entered anything in person this year compete for the first time at CEO, his home state against some of the best of the best. And I was going to be, like, hinting at Wizrobe. And I'm like, no. I'm talking about the guy with, what, like, 4,000, 5,000 rank sets and has never been to a tournament. Grandmaster mm -hmm. has beaten multiple top 50 players. I'm talking about Jeichu. If you are, like, diamond, maybe a high plat, you have played Jeichu. That's just a, a fact, objective fact. He has played so much ranked that you have, have to have played Jeichu. This is his first land tournament ever. Jeichu. He has Panda in his pool. Noni notably, the Fox who beat Axe at Genesis. It's going to be one of the greatest sets of the tournament. 
that being said, um, most people don't care about that. Most people care about the top players and the, the, the top, top end players. And that's reasonable. Very cool to see Wizard again. He has a very good bracket. Uh, he has to play either Moff or Akir to uh, make top eight winners. And uh, both of those matchups are pretty good for Wizzy. Um, so it's going to be cool to see him. Hbox and I mean, good. Always nice seeing Plup. Hbox has been doing really pretty solid this year. Uh, like he's, we, we talk about the top five. He would be a very solid sixth. Like he has wins on, well, he has like, Amza wins this year, Leffen win. So he's doing well. I think the top four is pretty set, and there's definitely a story to tell about the players underneath. So the Moffs, Moff, pretty much coming to the spotlight out of nowhere for most people. Definitely a solid top yeah. fifty player based off of that one tournament. We'll see how well she does in the future. Prof is another player who's entered this. Um, he is probably going to be top 50. Had a very nice set of runs uh, over the last couple of majors. Very active, too. Would be I'd be very shocked if he didn't end up top 50 even after everything. Panda is entered this. Uh, he is, he's been active. Known for doing very well against Crudo at the locals. He's been back and forth with him for years. And... Um, Hasn't really done so much at the majors, so I would like to see a good run off of Panda. And then just a couple of other players who just have been doing pretty solid recently. Wevins having that one really good coin box. Akir, Donkey Kong Menace, pretty good collision. I know he beat, I think he beat Skurza at collision. Skurza, yeah. Skurza, so uh, it'll be cool to see how he does at this, as well as um, trying to run back a top eight from the last CEO, where I believe mm -hmm. he beat Crudo. Crudo, yeah. So, um... Akir, always a delight. B-Bats coming off of having, uh, what is it? He beat Salt at a shield drop. He just won Nightclub beating uh, Hacks and uh, Hacks and Aklo. Aklo so yeah. that was and a Bobby Big really... Balls win at a shield drop. And well. Bobby Big Balls at shield drop, yeah. So B-Bats has been doing really well over the last couple of uh, literal days. So we'll be interested to see how he does at this event. Uh one other player I want to call, actually, J Cubes is a cool player to call out just because, yeah, I, I was gonna plays. say J Cubes is I don't a very know why random, here. yeah, J Cubes is super random to see here. There's not, not you usually don't see that guy outside Michigan very often, yeah. Uh, it's Florida, it's interesting, it is Florida, maybe, but that's like maybe there's grandparents there or something, who knows? Possibly, it's cool to see J Cubes active though, it's very electrifying falcon. Um. The one thing I do want to end on in regards to just like the players I've called out, which is basically most of the top 16 seeds, um, there is a player who, one of my hot takes, I had this player in my top 50. And uh, you probably wouldn't expect this guy to be in the top 50 just because he's not super active on social media. Um, most of his wins are off stream. It's Vu. Has a none win, a tipped off. Has very good records against Moff who, uh, as we know, had a very good tipped-off as well. And the, the, the Moff win, driving her rank up, also drives Vu's stock up. And I want to see how Vu does at CEO, because this could solidify that top 50 spot for him. A rising no, tide lifts all ships. Thanks, Moff. <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned Vu, because I thought you were going to talk about Webbins. I think Webbins has had a really quietly... Like, it really feels like every uh, every... Every tournament Webbins enters, he just like quietly leaves at the top 100 or, or like a top 50 win. Funny enough, I think he's actually a like right before top eight and like top 24 or whatever, or winner's round of 16. I think that's what it is. Yeah, winner's round of 16. He has a rematch with Prof who beat him earlier in the year. So, 
Florida always an interesting region. I feel like there's only so much we can like how how many years in melee has Florida not been a contender for one of the best states? <laughs> like the the first couple? Like uh I mean really ever, ever since like the the Falcos down in Florida started getting really good. Um feel like it's just been a constant ever since then, right? With Hbox and Plop and Wizzy and even now that their top tier talent's gone, you've got complete um you know bracket fiends like if you see crudo bracket that's incredibly scary and panda we mentioned as a player who's like um maybe not able to string together all of his wins into one very well-known run but it's like a threat to to upset anyone or do well at any tournament uh and then yeah you mentioned the players like wevins and prof and moff and vu there's these players who end up kind of lower in top 100 or in the case of uh moff not top 100 at all last year who have been putting together extremely solid resumes. Yeah, it, it's really amazing to see. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, you you mentioned it right away. I'm sorry I ruined your joke. Jeju is going to be like the the nerds. If you, you know, if you, if you are a, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this, if you're not a nerd, um, your eyes will be on Jeju this term because it is only so often that we get to see this, uh, this kind of online talent um, like see if they're you know if this is the real deal i believe in jechu i think that jechu is pretty young so it's gonna probably be a you know an adjustment to uh to actually enter yeah. an in-person tournament but i have very high expectations i don't know if panda will be a win that jechu can get just because panda is a very hard player to to upset but uh yeah i'm definitely looking forward to seeing jechu here and hope that we don't see jechu stop entering stuff anytime soon what do you think edwin yeah, I mean, I, I will say, Panda is a hard draw, but Panda also tends to run off the stage like four or five times a set. So you, yeah, you know. and it sometimes it somehow works. Yeah, that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, you, for you all the know. players who run off the stage five times a set, he makes it work more than any of the other ones do. I, yeah, I think one of the funniest things I heard from I, I forget who it was, but he ran into Panda and was like, "Yeah, I, I was really struggling against him, but then I realized if I just waited like ten seconds, he would side B off the stage, or or fast or fast fall aerial off the stage, and I could shine him, or he would just die. So I just waited for him to do something, and I managed to get lucky. And he decided not to defeat me that day. I forget who it was that 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 talked about it. it was just very like oh yeah i wasn't playing very well and he was really scary but then he started running off the stage so i just waited for him to run off the stage uh yeah how about this we're going to talk about who wins of course but i mentioned earlier that i think the top four pretty segmented from everyone else as good as all the other players are um do we think anyone makes it the top four who is not one of the top four seeds we've got you know, Gatsu here has, has had some spectacular runs, even, you know, if he is on Smashbox, even post-Smashbox, he's had some insane runs. Uh, Moff, win on one of the best players in the world. Like, what do you guys think? Do we see someone break into the top four who's not a top four seed? Uh, so, yes, but not for the reason you like, probably. Because I'm sure that you're asking this question with the who is going to make the upset over the top four when in reality it's Plup is sick and his flight was delayed three times and he might just not show up. So, yes, I think B-Bats could make top eight winners. Don't ask about his bracket path. <laughs> That's okay. It's fine. 
It's not like we want to see Plop at a tournament or anything. I hope Plop goes, though. What do you think, Edwin? Do you think uh, you think we see anyone break that top four? Yeah, I, I think that is the, you know, just, just frankly speaking, it's that or maybe equilateral just is apparent. Hungrybox called equilateral a monster versus Puff on net play. Now, I don't know what that means for his offline chances against Hungrybox, but maybe. He did 3-0 Panko. Yeah, he, he 3-0'd Panko. It's a very impressive result. It's one of Panko's best matchups also, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, maybe lateral. Prof like she. Could, uh, no, I don't think I don't think Prof will beat Jamie. Equilateral won in the long line of people who uh, Hbox has lost to online and and said the the most insane things about. Um, obviously, Alien Sheik when talking about Ben, but those of you who are watching might be uh, too young to remember that uh, way back when Hbox lost to a Marth player on. Anther's ladder, and said he was the best Marth player in the and Marth Puff he's ever played. That player, player who went by the da- name uh, Smash God. <laughs> I thought he were talking about LSD. Well, he did talk about LSD. I went even further back. This was like 2017. Yeah, he talked up. Really uh, he back. talked up Rishi, and you know Rishi yeah, obviously the, a very good player. Match. Logan a very good player. No, he uh, he has had a. I mean, all the players who he's talked up, who we mentioned, have been very good. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Equilateral will be the next one. I think my point here is that um, those players didn't tend to beat him on land. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Maybe Equilateral will be the one who uh, who you know breaks the curse. I yeah, I think there's a couple of cool things that could happen, but uh, basically the top four here seems pretty stacked. That you know, without a DQ, I, I do think that they'll probably end up top four. Um, but uh, I guess the harder question is. Who wins? We've got a Puff, a Sheik, a Sheik Fox, and a Falcon. This is definitely a you know a combination of characters and matchups that we don't normally see when you talk about top four of a major. But uh, we've got you know kind of an interesting set of players here who kind of all do differently against each other. So who do you, who do you got, Edwin? Who do you think wins this one? <sighs> I, I'm trying to pick like a really out there pick, but I, I, I it just keeps going back. Is to it calling Jamie. to you? Uh, just... Never mind, it's not calling to you. No, I, I know where you're I, going because I have something calling to me. No, I, I think Jamie wins this. I think he's got a he's got a very favorable bracket to top eight, beating Captain G's Falcon and the Profs uh, Marth. We Jamie looks invulnerable in that matchup. Then he plays against Wizard, who we saw we saw the two of them have an extremely down to the wire, just completely different level of Sheik Falcon than anything ever played before. But you know, J Mook is the active one and Wizzy is not. So I think mm-hmm. so I have no reason to think that Wizzy will be favored, should be favored over J Mook or, or to view that as anything less than a favorable draw for J Mook. And then yes, Hungrybox is scary. But Plup's lately had his number over the last, like, nine sets they've played. So I, I think Plup will probably win that if he plays against Hungry Rocks now. Just even accounting for the fact that we haven't seen very much of Plup, he still seems pretty good. Hungry Box currently at a bit of a low in his career right now. Um, so I think we'll see Jamie play Plup twice, and we'll see Jamie beat Plup twice. That's my call. I have something calling out to me. And Justin, I want to hear from you if you have this calling out to you too. But I have visions in the night of a man screaming. 
and he is jumping around and screaming. And at the end, he holds up a big gold belt with CEO on it. And I see a lot of people who get sad because of that. In my mind, I cannot shake the feeling that JMook will beat Wizzy and that HBox will have a 3-2 win over Plup where Plup just does not DI the last up throw on, on, on FD <laughs> to, to, to signal back all those conversations we had last year about Plup versus HBox and FD. Um, and then JMook wins in winner's finals. 3-2. Fucking great. It feels great because he's down game five versus HBox. He's down like two socks to three and he makes it back. And it feels like the best win over HBox because, you know, the 3-0 at Shine, we all kind of like, or whatever about that. HBox, like, literally didn't have any water in his system. <laughs> and HBox comes back and wins 3-2, set one, last hit. And wins 3-1. And the last two games aren't close. And we all kind of get a little sad. And all of our weekends, all of our Sundays are just a little worse. Even if we convince ourselves that our mood should not be dictated by whether or not a bearded Jigglypuff player wins or loses. I cannot stop my brain from having those thoughts. So for that reason... I have to say that Hungrybox wins CEO 2023. Whether or not I like it, I have to say it. Justin, are you beckoned by this same uh, same nightmare, the same call, these these dreams? I don't know if I'd call it a nightmare, per se. I did change it to dreams. <laughs> yeah. I know that's I mean, did, did you have to ask? I mean, <laughs> if you look at the brackets, first of all, if Plup doesn't show up, Hungrybox plays... Bbats or Gatsu to get to winners finals where he will play J Mook. He is preparing for this. He has to potentially like he knows J Mook is one of his biggest chances at breaking into the top five again, breaking into the top one again. At Collision 2023, uh, in the VIP room, Hbox told a small group of people something visions of the future, and he said. My stock's low. Moki stock's high. It was after the Moki loss. I don't even remember what he said exactly. This is paraphrased. And he said, one day, if Jemu keeps winning and I keep losing, they're going to seed him first, and I'm going to be seeded eighth. And that's going to be the return of the box. He doesn't even need to be seeded. He is seeded third at this tournament. If he beats Plup or Plup doesn't show up, he gets his chance. He has been waiting for this moment, craving for this moment. Not because it gets him top five, not because it gets him top one. Think about Hbox as a person. He is content-pilled beyond belief. Imagine the amount of interactions he will get following up on his $75 from CEO 2022. He has to win this tournament to get those interactions. Or get fifth. But he will not. If he wins, he's going to call it the three-peat because he won CEO twice before this. I know it's going to happen. He deserves it. He's also going to call it a major, which I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's not. I don't really know. I am kind of annoyed about people calling stuff majors. And, and it's like, I don't really care. Who cares? 
we clearly don't have terms that work for this and everyone who comes up with terms aren't sexy enough to actually sell them i know that you're gonna be like no actually this is a national no one uses that term it's not cool it didn't catch on <laughs> it's you're either a major or you're not a major and if that's the case i don't know maybe call it a major who cares i'll say this if hbox wins it i'll call it a goddamn major um i don't know we're due for a box win because like we said he does seem pretty clearly sixth and i think what this is is you know this is the baseline that he's established he had the same thing last year right he's establishing kind of losing to people who are um you know in contention for number one or you know like uh you're your puff specialists like Moki or Amses, then he's got those losses. Uh, last year, he had a couple losses outside of like the the top ten or so. You know, he had the none loss, he had an S2J loss, he had a couple losses all over. Um, I think we haven't really seen that, but uh, by that same coin, we haven't seen the patented HBox major win. Happens every single year, no matter how he's playing, he always you know turns it on at some point. Last year was Gommel. I think he got you know you got riptide in there um so we'll see this year he's due for something and if i'm just purely looking at brackets i think that it makes most sense for right now to be a ceo that being said gobble didn't make sense last year <laughs> riptide didn't make sense last year hbox major wins ever since the pandemic don't make sense so uh yeah maybe he'll win lacs instead <laughs> and then jmook will just win this like through a cakewalk uh, anyway, I think that this will be a tournament that, you know, it, it might not be as as fun to watch as, you know, the uh, LACS that we talked about or Gobble that's upcoming, these tournaments that are going to be stacked with all the top players. But it's going to give us a lot of stuff that we haven't got to see recently. You know, we haven't seen JMook Hbox that they end up playing. Plop is a player that we haven't got to see a lot of. Wizzy is a player that we haven't even seen this year. So regardless of what happens... I think it's going to be a pretty cool tournament in terms of just seeing stuff that we haven't seen. And it's going to be a nice little amuse bouche before the summer of smash really kicks in in July. Um, yeah. Is there uh, anything else that we want to say about CEO? We've, we, I, we kind of, you know, we talked about the visions of HBox winning. <laughs> I feel like we're probably set once that happens. Um, Let's uh, there is let's... one timeline, potentially. If okay. Ober beats Wizzy and Moff beats Ober, we get the run back in winners. True. That's that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, yeah, definitely would not count it out considering what we've seen this year. I feel like it's super hard to count anything out in Melee right now. We've just kind of seen all the shit where I'm not going to get on my high horse and say that Moff is not about to make winter finals here. Or that Ober is not going to be. Yeah, it literally and then anything can. B-Bats beats H-Box, and then winner's finals is Peach Ice Climbers. Sure. Why not? I can't say it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, here, Justin, we, we're going we're gonna to switch from having some you know, having you deal some uh, some great knowledge, we're gonna we're gonna try to get some stuff out of you. We're gonna, we have got some questions from our Patreon. Sure. So I know that you are a patron. I don't know if you got to see any of these questions, but we've uh, we've I got skim. some. I, I think they're gonna be fun ones. You know, sure. the whole thing about us kind of ribbing our patrons for getting bad questions. I think they gave you some decent ones. So mm -hmm. Edwin, I think you, you got one right. 
Yeah, so this one's from Algebra, uh, obviously to you, Justin. Um, does Giga Bowser have any losing matchups? Giga Bowser loses to two characters in Super Smash Bros. Melee. Everyone has seen the Mewtwo King video about Giga Bowser losing to Puff. I don't think it's impossible, but Giga Bowser does lose to Puff. Pretty much every aerial plus side B leads into rest, and Giga Bowser will still die from rest. Um, Giga Bowser has some stuff on Puff, has a chain grab on certain DI, has very good rest punish. Um, up B is kind of hard to punish, like the up B going back to ledge and just repeatedly going to ledge, get up attack from ledge, up B, out of shield, go back to ledge. It's very hard for Puff to deal with that if you don't mess up, but Puff still, I think, has a superior punish game. So, and it, it also Puff could camp at higher percents, like going very, very high up, uh, and Giga Bowser's up smash or up airs are the only things that can hit. And on larger stages, very hard to deal with. Um, but the real problem matchup is Peach. Peach's down smash single-handedly beats Giga Bowser. So, you know, every every mid-level, low-level, even top-level players, they hate. You jump, Peach down smashes on the platform, you get hit for like 50 or 60, and you go flying. Imagine Peach doing that to a standing character. Like, Giga Bowser is big enough that Peach just blunders him. Impossible matchup. Peach is the true Giga Bowser killer. Peach and Puff. They defeat Giga Bowser. How about Samus? Um, you can't really combo Giga Bowser. So, like, there are some moves that... If you have, like, a spammable move that's hard to either CC or that can you just can repeat. So, like, Falco up tilt, Fox up tilt, Marth up tilt. Mostly up tilts, honestly. Um, they're, and she, even Sheik's tilts. Uh, they can loop to, like, 60 to 80 without any sort of, S if you don't have like crazy SDI, um, Samus doesn't have a move like that. So I think Samus doesn't really do super well against Giga Bowser. Well, to follow up with, uh, you know, that kind of niche matchup discussion, we've got a question from a player who we actually mentioned earlier. We, we've got a question from Beckfin. Mm -hmm. So Beckfin asks, what's your favorite niche tech? My favorite niche tech? I'm really a fan of the uh, the Nana teleport. So, um, so if you go to a platform, uh, any platform in the game, and you down B with the ice climbers a couple of frames before landing to the ground, um, Nana will teleport back to the platform and down B on the platform as you down B on the ground. So as this happens, you could potentially cover like a Spacey's side B to the top platform or side platform by doing this and catch people off guard. It has pretty much no application outside of that, just besides being funny to look at. But that would probably be my favorite niche tech that you could pull off in a normal game without items. If you want to count items, I like the Soul Stealer a lot. I think it's just funny. Good. Very good, very good, and I think that Beckman will appreciate you mentioning an Icy's tech. Um, and then, Adam, I think we got one more, right? Yeah, this one's from Etost. Uh, Dark Gen X, what player stock do you think will rise the most from now until the end of the year? So from, like, this exact moment until the end of the year? Yes. And do you mean that by... Okay, there's, like, two ways of... Uh, Think of it like it, I, I'm going to assume this is fitting into your rolling rank. Like, okay. who in June 2023 will have the biggest jump forward in terms of where they are at that present moment by December 31st, 2023? So, I'm not going to count people who are inactive by, in regards to this. I'm not counting, like, I guess, content or, like, notability or such. Because, like, there are players who I could see 
like for as an example of this, I think that Josh Man is going to be a very, very high level in regards to like notability by the end of the year, but I don't necessarily see him break into the top ten. Um I think the answer my answer to this as to someone who I think will have like significantly better results is blue. So if people have been following Melee stat, I mean you you're following the channel right now if you're watching this. If you've been following his results this year, he has been like very cleanly a top 50 player at regionals. He's only not on like the rankings because he's not active, but he's been doing very, very well at Midwest, Midwest regionals, taking down plenty of top 50 players, really consistent both locally and regionally. He's like the, like Edwin mentioned this, he is the epitome of the summit level up. Um, I don't think he will make top 50 on the summer ranking purely out of inactivity. I don't think that he will be going to enough events from now until the end of the the ranking period that are considered majors to be active. But I think that he's going to go to enough by the end of the year. And if he's doing as well as he's doing at the regionals against national level players, potentially people in the top 30, I could see him potentially breaking into that top 30, top 25 if he goes to enough. Like he beat uh, the swooper at Big House seemingly out of nowhere. He had a level up after that. Imagine who he could beat. I could see him beating like a top 10 player out of nowhere. He's really good. I think it's blue. Blue's a really great pick because it really just feels like he is continuing to improve. Um, I got a chance to talk to him. I don't know if we'll be able to see him enough to really see all the pieces get put together this year, but I know that there are some plans in the cards for 2024 to be the big breakout year for him. I think he's trying to, you know, like focus on, on, you know, getting all the majors then. Uh, but yeah, no, he, I mean, he's beaten Ben at bigger events this year. He's beaten Slow King at, uh, at locals. You know, he's, he's been able to travel to Chicago once and you're right. He's been taking some names. One of the, one of the really interesting things about that though, is that you look at them and it feels like he would, you know, he'd go to, to like the mid lane and he'd um, lose to smash poppy or like take a set off smash poppy and losing grands. And then he'll come back the next week or two weeks and then just, beat Smash Puppy and Grands. I know he was having trouble with Essie and then ends up, you know, I like Essie's little field trip with preeminent across the Midwest um, and has been beating Essie and been beating preeminent. Yeah, like, it seems like these, like, matchups that um, he, he'll, like, might, might lose their first encounter and then if they play again, he ends up winning. You know, the, the Swooper one was obviously a great win, but what happened after that was a game five, like, super close. Uh, Crudo. And yeah, I, I mean, he is a player who has not been traveling much. So I, I think he's a great pick because if he is someone, if, if we see him more, I have no, I have no doubts that he will be able to show up at some point. Absolutely. Um, I have one pipe dream answer to this though. I'll just go into like for a minute. That's all right. I really what hope. What player is it? Tell it's me. not, it's not even an ICs. It's not an ICs. So isn't that shocking? So there is a player in New Jersey he very he seldom attends events out of his region. He will sometimes pick Donkey Kong inexplicably against players who've won regionals. They'll sometimes go game and watch in grand finals of a regional and just win. I'm talking about Miffy. He beat Nut earlier this year at Collision. He yeah. went game five with Triff. He was up a full stock game five on Dreamland and decided to approach because in his tur in his words, he got bored. He is, he has everything like skill wise to be a Rockman and to be a Flash. Like he has beaten every single player in New Jersey he's played. That I'm including Swedish Delight. He's beaten Swedish before. 
He's one of the few players who has beaten Swedish. He's beaten Flex. He's beaten Swooper. He's beaten 404, Mott. Every single New Jersey player he has ever played, he has beaten. He never travels outside of his region. And he told me he might go to majors this year after his collision where he beat Nutt. If he goes to at least one major outside of outside of New Jersey, just one, he will be top 100. That's my that's my case for Miffy. I have a really. Uh, I don't think he's eligible. What? Well, uh, I have a really dumb uh, parallel to Miffy. Not not quite the same, but just a uh, one player who I genuinely could see just based on the events calendar. The fact that we're gonna see. We're going to see a big house this year. We're going to see Riptide. We're going to see, you know, this this Cream City event or whatever happening. I genuinely, yes, Wheat knows where I'm going with this. I genuinely think that we could see Kendrick or the uh, the artist known as Rump Roast get some get some top hundred wins. I am not where you're going with that. What the? Oh, I thought you that were was a crazy take. I thought you were talking. But you were about saying Ossify. Oh, Osvai, yeah, yeah, Osvai is quite good also. But you mentioned Michigan, Ohio, and I guess Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess I don't know. And also, you call it this Cream City, whatever Cream City Conversions. Get it fucking right, dude. Cream City Conversions. Convergence. Convergence. I thought it's not conversions. (laughs) They're converting people out there in the (laughs) Cream City. Don't go. (laughs) Uh. Kendrick is an insane pick. Yeah. I, I'm I, down. I like Kendrick. Does it's he have to go Game & Watch? For sure. It's the Puffin uh, Game & Watch. He goes yeah. Puffin Melee. Okay. The, but the Game & Watch is called Rump Roast. Rump Roast. I don't want to get into Rump Roast. That is a very wild pick. Rump Roast talk will only lead to, to that whole... Dude, the Wisconsin's people be going crazy. I don't want to give them anything. Um, or well, go to the go to the tournament. But other than that, don't feed into their all their little shit. Uh, I'm still mad at at Kendrick and uh and Jake the the Wisconsin TO um for playing the same Avicii song for like an hour straight while they <laughs> oh yeah they got camp. they got your ass dude dude they it was like people who I met in person for the first time. I wasn't about to say like hey. I think you're playing the same Avicii song forever. I I just like an hour in, I was like, is this the radio or is this like a playlist? I feel like this sounds familiar. <laughs> and then they cracked up. They're like, we got your ass before you got in the car. We were like, I wonder how many times you can play this Avicii song in a row. It was also remixes. There's like five different remixes. So I wasn't just whatever. Rump Roast, insane pick. I think there's a lot of players who could make it. Uh, that being said, that was a question to Justin, so we shouldn't jump onto it. Um, but we're talking a lot about melee. Let's let's for our last segment, let's um, you know switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about something other than melee, and no better place to do that than touching grass, aka our unknown, unknown, our unnamed segment, our well-known unnamed segment. Uh, of course, Justin, you've been on the show before. You know that this is the segment where we talk about stuff. That's been going on in our lives that's outside of Melee because we are all multifaceted human beings with lives and uh, sometimes we don't get a chance to talk about it. So I will go first. I'll give you both some time to think. And um, this past week, about a week ago, two albums were released that uh, I listened to. Yeah, I like to listen to new music, kind of get a grasp of what's going on. I went into this not expecting to 
have any extremely strong feelings and came out basically thinking that these are two albums that are going to make my end of the year top 10. Uh, that is the fifth wave emo album, The Whaler by Home Is Where, band that I did not expect to really care about, but uh, ended up really feeling a lot of attachment to that album. And uh, the Pittsburgh noise twee indie outfit um feeble little horse who released girl with fish which uh is a very short um kind of like noisy distortiony indie pop record uh, i thought both really caught me off guard and have really resonated with me and they are both uh albums that i listened to in my pick for this week's touching grass magnet which is me having a weekend up in uh fucking in new england um I have to say that the thing I did that, that really resonated me, with me most this past week was uh, getting to go up to Trail Invitational, hang out with my friend Edwin, and then what I did afterwards was uh, spend a couple days in Rhode Island with um, a real legend of the game. I don't think I was, there's no way to mince words about it. I was with an uh, artist formerly known as Dingus Master, basically the, the wheat before wheat, you know, guy who seeded everything. I guess I don't seed anything anymore. So the, the wheat before wheat. And then I don't know who the new weed is, but, uh, but yeah, um, the guy who created wins melee, a, a person who I think, uh, his impact on the scene is, is very under the radar, but, but he kind of led to a lot of things that we take for granted right now. And a lot of things that melee stats is going to do. So I got to see him, got to hang out with him. And, uh, one of those days we got to hang out with, uh, a little guy named Anok. We got to go on. To a Thai place that was very good, and we got to uh, go on a little walk around some some nature places in Massachusetts. I had a wonderful time, and it is where I got this uh, fucking floral hoodie that the video viewers might see. Uh, so that'll be my pick for this week's Touching Grass. I had a uh, pretty wonderful time up in New England this this uh, past week, and just got back yesterday, so really enjoyed myself. Edwin, what about yourself? What have you been up to? Well, other than hanging out with you, hanging out with hanging out with Ding, uh, going on a hike with you, getting getting to spend some quality time and everything, um, I'll I'll try to go to a different direction because you, you covered you covered most of it. But other it's about than the that, reason why we are on a Thursday and not a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, my my spouse and I are very big fans of Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, a, a month ago for their birthday, I surprised them with tickets to go see the 50th anniversary screening. So basically, this is the, the screening of the, the movie. And before the, and before the movie, there was a question. There was a Q&A and a bit of like a talk given by Ted Neely and a bunch of the guys on the, a bunch of the people on the original film, right? And so I, I watched Jesus Christ Superstar again with, with my spouse. We were kind of in this like old theater. It felt like we were just transported back to the 70s. We were surrounded by boomers and a bunch of their children. I'm pretty sure we were the only people like in, in like like our age in the in the spot. But it was still it was still pretty fun. I I think the uh, the Jesus Christ Superstar musical is one of my favorites. But I think that I think the movie adaptation is is just like it's just it's superb. It's it's one of the best uh, movie adaptations of, of a musical I think ever. I I've seen it like numerous times and and this time what what really stood out to me was the uh, just the richness of the setting. You know, you you talk about stories that are universal and transcend so many different cultures and have so many different interpretations. I really think you will not find a better interpretation of that story within like a 70s like counterculture like so like around the time of counterculture like 
like Vietnam War protesty era. Like, like I, I think you won't find a better mix of those two worlds in that movie. And I just think it it's it's really stellar. And uh, wow, fuck Godspell, I guess. I I just think of that. Um, I, I I just think what the and, it, and also as, as far as like movie musicals go, I think they tend to kind of enter one of these two directions, where they either just feel like you're watching a musical but on screen, so none of the magic of the live performance is there, or they try to lean into like the gritty elements of it, like friggin' Tom Hooper's Les Mis or whatever, which is just like miserable and atrocious and like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Miserable. Yeah, that's pronounced. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's just that I strongly recommend anyone who likes likes a good movie and is into that kind of thing to see the Jesus Christ Superstar adaptation. I mean, like, like for when they just to give an example of like the the kind of setting they have, most of it is filmed in a desert, so it literally feels like when when you're watching the musical and like the the events of the story layout, it literally feels like they're on a different planet. So when they go to like, and, and like the, the last thing I'll just say about the richness of the setting is that a lot of it doesn't have to, it's a lot of it is not grand. A lot of it is, is very minimalist. It almost feels like, it almost feels like a dream. Like when, when Jesus and the rest of the characters in the story are in Jerusalem, they have Jerusalem just set up as like a small, like mini, like a mini market where, where people are just selling, selling like all these anachronistic items from like shirts to like random smgs and stuff to to each other but they're all dressed like they're in the 70s and it just it creates this really memorable image that i think combines the best of like the the movie medium with the with the meat of the story and with that that whole like cultural zeitgeist that was happening in the 70s it was just a is really spectacular i i just always find something to love every every time i see it again do the part. Do the part of Gethsemane. I can't do it right. It's for patrons only. Dude, you literally, like, you love to hear yourself sing so much. I've heard you hit this note so many times <laughs> just to hear it. We were riffing on the song Spoon Man, but if it were Spear Man, and you literally sang it without adding anything just because you wanted to hear yourself sing it. And you no, will refuse to, to do it when it comes to content. That's this is a, why we're going to... This is why Bailey's stats will never be it. as big as mobile. That's so moves. uncharitable, dude. It is not a travel. I'm just actually. I, I was saying Spearman so well. to try to relate to my two friends. No, you were trying to one up, and you refused to do it when it could actively I wasn't trying to help out our brand. Whatever. Anyway, Justin, what have you been up to? We haven't talked to you in a while. It's been a while. I've been very inactive in melee in the last couple of like months. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most inactive I've been within the scene since I started playing the game. It's been pretty refreshing. I've been doing a bunch of stuff outside of Melee. Like, I've still been commentating. I've still been playing a bunch of ranked. Um, but it's been a very nice, like, breather. Just kind of to think of stuff I want to do outside of the game and just, you know, live, experience life. I wish you'd asked this question uh, a week later because on uh, the 25th, I'm going to see sumo wrestlers in uh in japan oh not in japan sorry from japan not in japan i wish um yeah i have a japan i have a japan trip planned for the end of the year but i'm going to be seeing sumo wrestlers in uh in new york Mm -hmm. so um i'm going to be seeing sumo wrestlers in a a few days but that hasn't happened yet so this is about grass that has been touched not grass that will be touched there Mm -hmm. seems to be a common theme 
from the last two uh, entries in uh, Touching Grass about things that we have seen and enjoyed or experienced and enjoyed or consumed and enjoyed. And I've been definitely, I've been watching a bunch of movies recently. Just nothing really spurred this. Just wanted to see more movies. There's been a bunch of movies I've wanted to watch recently that I've never really gotten the chance to because I consume a lot of short form media and not a lot of long form. So I've been spending some time watching movies. And there's two in mind that I've watched in the last, like, actually in the last like few days that uh, have cracked my top 10 movies that I've really enjoyed, both of which have musical elements to it, one of them being a musical itself. And those two movies are um, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg and Swing oh. Girls, two very beautiful, incredible movies. You, I, I, lo- I love the reaction. That's a, I, mean, I love that movie. Absolutely it's beautiful. so amazing. Mm-hmm. The set pieces, such like a pastel rainbow explosion like barfing all over the screen and every different scene is just shot so so distinctly um it inspired uh what i would say is my favorite movie la la land and i could see the inspirations in it just the the vivid colors uh the like everything is in the movie like even the the mundane text between characters is all sung the Mm Mo- like the, the one theme that is played with the movie is just very beautiful and it's something that everyone can relate to it's it's delightful and joyful when it is and then very melancholy and haunting when it is not and it all wraps yeah. itself up very neatly it's it's a it's it's ahead of its time i cannot believe the movie was made in the 60s wonderful movie also something that i think you might people might know the song from because one of the songs was i think uh covered in english and was the end of a Futurama episode. <laughs> really? There's, yeah, the uh, uh, Jurassic Bark, I believe, ends with uh, with the main theme, or well, the ending song, um, covered in English. And uh, an interesting thing that the relationship that they have for any indie rock listeners out there is uh, Michel Legrand, who uh, was the main composer, I believe is the grandfather, uncle? I don't know. He's related to Victoria Legrand, who is the um, lead singer of the indie rock outfit Beach House, for any indie rockers out there that's a connection but yeah wonderful movie just uh i i think yeah i mean perfect example for for what uh edwin was mentioning if, if you are someone who who wants a movie musical i think that it does the perfect thing right it's it's visually stimulating it's also just like overblown in almost every single way right when it's joyful it's extremely joyful when it's sad it's heartbreaking yeah i uh did not expect you to say that i'm taking it back i i i really love that movie it was very, it was incredible. I also see that people in chat are talking about who killed Captain Alex because we watched that in a in a Discord yesterday. And, uh... Oh, who killed Captain Alex? <laughs> oh, hell yeah! Let's go. It was an experience for sure. Yeah, who killed Captain Alex is in. I remember when I was introduced to that for the for the first time. It's like a I want to say Ugandan. It's Ugandan, yeah. yeah it's from Ugandan. What Hollywood? Yeah, it's it's the most incredible uh... thing. Well, I find it very funny uh, the the you know reactions that both of us got from two extremely different pieces of media. <laughs> yeah, who killed Captain the Alex is very is extremely different. <laughs> the yin and the yang that make this show happen. Uh, anyway, Justin, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not sure if you if we cut you off in any way by just like this this pure love and joy for these two very different things. Uh, but yeah, was there anything else that you uh, wanted to mention in, in your touching grass segment? My touching grass, anything else I could think of? Um, not really. The other thing that I've been doing recently that's been like a, a long-term project 
Um, so I have a lot of like wall decorations and I've been meaning to change every single one of them. So I've been doing a lot of research into figuring out just stuff that I want to put on my walls and just different things that could replace the paintings. Not that I don't like them, just they've been there for like maybe six or seven years or so. And I just want to get some change and change most of like, because most of my apartment is like reddish hued and I want to try to make it a bluish hue, like a light blue. So I've got a couple of ideas for like posters I would want to buy or like there's like a neon sign that I'm trying to get. Um, one of the uh, the two mm, probably most striking things I wanted to buy, one of them is a replication, like a replica of an egg. It's just a scrambled egg that just sits on the wall as if someone has hurled it there. And I think it would be a cool thing to put in my kitchen. Um, the other thing is something called non-time, which uh, it's this, I think it's one person in Japan makes these. And they are clocks made out of actual bread. So they, like, take the bread. I don't know what the process is, but they, like, preserve this bread so it doesn't, like, smell or mold or attract, like, insects or anything. But it's just, like, this this bread that uh, it's you just mount it on a wall and it's a clock. It just looks cool. Very cool. <laughs> Well, Justin, uh, basically what we expected to happen happened uh, in that we love talking to you so much that we have had our longest episode in a little bit. <laughs> so um, I don't want to cut you off necessarily, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the people love to hear you talk. You got a lot to talk about. If, uh, if anyone wants to follow you, where can they do so? Um, my social medias are very, very inactive right now. I have an idea of something that I've wanted to make for a little bit, and I might make another video again and return from my like eight ish month hiatus. But um if you want to see that, twitter.com slash darkgenx, YouTube darkgenx, uh I have a TikTok that's abandoned, but that's TikTok darkgenx. Pretty much everything darkgenx. If you want to play TFT, darkgenx uh it's darkgenx farts on Riot Games. Can and you not on... get darkgenx there? No, I did not get darkgenx there. And it was originally darkgenx sucks because my uh my username on Reddit and on Epic Games was Dark Genic Sucks. And someone reported me for harassment of my own name. So I got my name and account like deleted and I had to change it to something else. So I got reported for harassing myself. So that's why it's Damn. Dark Genic Sparks. Goals. Well, very cool. Um, did you get Dark Genix, uh when the Discord usernames rolled out? I did. I did. Okay, there we go. It all it all works out then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we get the uh, Well, yeah. If uh, you know, if anyone wants to follow what you did, uh, or, you know what you're you're about to do, I think uh, that go for it. You know, if you mm -hmm. if you like his appearance, I think he makes some really good stuff. And also, look at everything else you you have a lot of posts, a lot of things that you put into the community, whether or not they're shit posty or otherwise. I think that there's a lot of charm in everything that you've uh, you've made for the community. Um, I appreciate. So it. I think yeah, might, might as well. You know, there's a backlog for you to check out, and then we can wait around and see if there's anything else that comes out. I'll also um, still be relatively active in regards to things coming out. So I'm going to be at, uh, I'll be at Gommel. I will be at SmashCon. I will be at Shine. I will be at an unannounced event, and I will be at my first ever big house. And hopefully we'll try to get commentary at all those events. We'll that's see. so sick. It's always better to have you at events. So hearing that you're going to stuff is great. I love to get to speak to you this past weekend because, uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit. So good to hear that you've been doing well in your time off. But uh, very excited to hear that I'll be able to see you at some stuff coming up. 
Uh, and if you want to see us, <laughs> you can watch these episodes live on twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. We upload these episodes to YouTube over the Melee Stats archive. Melee Stats on YouTube is where you can find our long-form content. Uh, Twitter.com slash Melee Stats pod. That is where we're going to have our results tweets. We're going to talk about the players that we're throwing, that throwing, that we're uh throwing two events that doesn't make sense um one of which is going to be announced uh tomorrow for the people who are listening live so you can check that out and if you're listening afterwards um you can also check out the, the you know twitter to see who we've announced uh we have articles over at meleestats.co weekly such as wins melee and monday morning marth and if you love everything that we do and you just want to support us in any way possible melee stats wait patreon.com slash melee stats that's where you can do so. Um, you can get your questions right on the air. You can uh, talk to us. I don't know. We we might. Um, I don't know. I didn't ask if I could say this, but uh, we're thinking about maybe doing a kind of small merchish, smallish merch drop um, that would probably be Patreon exclusive uh, for the for the near future. So if you uh, want to rock any of the stuff that you see our players wearing. You can uh, do so through joining Patreon. But until then, we will uh, we will see you. We are going to be back to discuss um, LACS. So so we will be basically, I think we're taking another week break, and then we'll be back to really get into it. Nose to the grindstone, LACS, Fate, Gommel, Summerang. Got a lot coming ahead of us, and I could not be more excited to talk about it. So thanks for watching us, and uh, thanks, everyone, for being on the show. We will see you soon. Peace. See you guys. See you.